Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus nfl as always to our many many millions of listeners a big thank you for listening to the show we just have a small very small favor it'll only take a few minutes and you'll get something out of it we just need you guys to complete a short survey because the information you can give us makes us better and it's all about making the show better for you the listener so podcast.com slash survey is where you'll go And the first 250 people who complete the survey will get a $10 gift card to Amazon.com. There'll be also two grand prize winners. They'll be selected at random to get a $100 Amazon gift card. How about that? Free money. It's a win-win. And you guys also win because we're making the show better. Our show is supported by advertisers. So filling this out will really help us cater to your needs as a listener. So please go to podcast.com slash survey, answer some of the questions, and potentially make some money Along the way, thank you, as always, for being a dedicated listener. Hey, guys, exciting football action continues on, and Daily Fantasy at Yahoo is better than ever this season. Yahoo Daily Fantasy recently released a new $300,000 NFL baller contest with $30,000 to first place. It's just $10 to enter, and you got to check this out today because Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from the game with just a little bit of cash in your pocket. So get started right now, yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. That's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. And when you make your first deposit, use promo code POD25. That's POD25 for $25 in free play. So POD25, promo code 
for $25 in free play over at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right, guys, Pole Sports is an online site that allows you to get instant fantasy football advice through real-time polls. Sam and I have been playing around with this, right? Yeah. It allows you, it allows you the user, to create a poll, use your custom league settings, and then you get votes and advice from credible fantasy football players like Sam and I, answering questions such as who to start, who will win a trade, who to drop, and who to pick up. We both made a couple polls this week over at pollsports.com. We did. Mine has many more uh, votes than yours. Uh, did you ask a better question? Maybe. I mean that's well that's one way of interpreting what the what the results say. But people uh, like you more. So you, that's so you, the other way. So you put in a question. It could be start sits. You know, it could be uh, further up, you know, bigger upside for the rest of the year. Because I highest, asked Kyler Murray versus yeah, highest ceiling. Yeah, you asked Kyler ceiling. Murray versus Matt Ryan. Because and I took two guys that were both in the top ten in fantasy points. They're really close, okay. and they just played each other. So who's the better guy going forward? And it's great because everybody can vote on it, and then you can have. You can see who the most trusted sources are that voted on it. Yeah, and we have our own page now on this on pollsports.com. We've got the PFF podcast page, and people are already asking us questions. That's great. So other, other websites out there, they determine who the experts are, but hey, we're the experts. Go ask us. Yeah, over there's, there's at receipts, our receipts on the polls to show you. It is, for better or for worse. You could search the polls by player name, see which ones have already been created with that player, Vote during the week. Log back in on Tuesday afternoon. See how accurate you were. Best of all, Pole Sports is completely free. Has no paywalls of any kind. Mm -hmm. So where do we go? It's PoleSports.com. Set up your free account. Get your instant advice today. And uh, Sam and I might be able to help you out with your fantasy team. Yep. Welcome in PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo. Not solo anymore. No. You're back. I'm back this time. Yeah, if anybody listened or saw our midweek YouTube show on Wednesday, sometimes you got to ad lib when you're live. Yeah, look, we're on a tight schedule now, and with the recording, a lot going on. Podcast, we were very, you know, bang, bang, bang every couple of minutes, and we had it timed perfectly so that we would end the podcast, and then I would have a radio hit. Only they phoned early, yeah, while the podcast was still going on, three minutes early. So I got it's one of those, you know, you got to make a quick split second decision. Uh, I went all right. Bail on the podcast, answer the call, uh, and I had to leave. And I was living the dream. Right. You, just, like, you and your own. Yeah. I mean, there was one point I kind of wanted to bounce something off you, and you weren't there. So I was you like... You just anyway. So yeah, I did. I, I was like, ah, Sam Sam thinks Ramsey's going to be a good fit. There you go. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, so we just, you know, we, we made it work. Perfect. So somebody, uh, I think Tyler suggested a cardboard cutout. I'm okay with I that. I mean, maybe we should do that. One for you, one for me, and then we're just ready, logistically. Okay. If uh, if one we of us have has like to a leave. picture up on uh, on Parker, that's what we should do. One where it's like, like this, this keep splits. this background and just Photoshop you on one and Photoshop me and one. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Yeah. So th- so we're ready to go just in case, you know, somebody has to leave. Mm. You know, for me, we thought I might have to leave for childbirth a few months back, yes. which never really happened for right. you. You know, a radio hit, never know, never know what's going to happen. Uh, but I kind of like monologue style. You know, a lot of people just yeah. straight up do monologue shows and podcasts, they and they just talk and. You know, I got a lot to say. It feels like you shouldn't be left to your own devices for very long, though. I don't know. Maybe we should experiment with that. See how the see how the numbers do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're live on YouTube. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We're previewing week seven in the NFL. Are you fully healthy now? No, no. In fact, if anything, I'm getting I'm getting worse, but in different ways. Great. So the cold is on the mend. You know, I, I sound a little bit better. I'm a little less likely to just stop talking because my voice breaks. Um. Unfortunately, the cold appears to have, um, I don't want to say the cold has broken my rib because that would be 
probably incorrect. But the cold does appear to have um, brought to the surface the discovery of a broken rib, which may have occurred playing basketball on Friday. From Dr. Eager. Yes. Dr. E- Dr. Eager trucked me uh, playing basketball, and given that he weighs many pounds more than I do, I came off worse. I thought it was just like a bruised chest or something. Then at some point I sneezed during this cold, mm. and what was just a vaguely, you know, a mild soreness in the chest suddenly became shooting agony anytime I cough, sneeze, or blow my nose. Three things I have to do once every five minutes or so with a cold. So Maybe the sneeze really put you up. Maybe that's what officially broke it. So this is what I'm saying, right? I, I text my parents, who are both doctors, and they were like, what probably happened is it was Top cracked crack. or fractured generally from the, you know, the impact. But then when you sneezed, it like, you know. Really? And potentially is displaced, and you need to actually have an x-ray before it punctures your lung. So you're so, on the injury uh, report. Because yeah. of sneezing. Yes, yes. Um, possible broken rib due to sneezing. You hooping it up tomorrow? Well, I wanted to, but it doesn't seem like that's wise now. <laughs> if I need to check that it isn't puncturing a lung, it would it would seem to me that exercise is foolish at that point. In the past two months, you've got a near broken wrist and a broken rib. Is that what we're looking at here? Yeah. So also, right, there is now nothing in the world that fears me, fills me with more fear than an oncoming sneeze. Because oh yeah, you hear it coming in. Like I've broken bones and and wrecked ligaments and stuff before, and sneezing right now is in the top two pains I've experienced in my entire life. Oh really? It's that bad? Huh? I, w- I went to CVS wow. this morning to just get some drugs for the the cold, and I was like there two minutes before they opened the door, right? Um, so I'm outside front, and it's like you know you feel the sneeze coming on. Oh no 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 no! I heard there's ways to stop it. I I need to know them because I've, so I've, anyway, go ahead. I'll help it's, you. It's after. coming on right. Sneeze. Literally collapsed, doubled over in pain, like, and the guy is then opening the door, and I'm like in a almost (laughs) in a heap in front of this door. This is amazing. Like, don't worry about it. It's uh, you know, it'll it comes and goes. But right now, like a sneeze would fell me. So you might want to Google other options. But I've heard if you say the word watermelon as it's coming on, it can't be a word that stops the sneeze. Yeah, because it's the way you you move your mouth, and it just. It's not 100%, but... You I know. need 100%. Like, at this no, point... you just want a little bit better. You do, if you can no. cut down on 20% of your sneezes, you're you're helping yourself. I mean, anything's better than nothing, but I right. want like a I want a full... Start with watermelon. I'd Google... percent solution. I'd Google other solutions. But. Anyway, there's football happening this week. All right, football, week seven. Uh, by the way, you broke a rib almost right after I thought I blew my arm out trying to save a ball, keeping it yes, in bounds. That was just, it was the worst three-on-three Dude, basketball game I, we've I, ever Like played. I've been telling other people, I'm just happy it was Eric and not you. Like, Eric's yeah. probably got 40, 50 pounds on me. you got a full 100. I do. That would have yeah. hurt a lot. That would have broken multiple ribs. Yes. All right. The people do want to hear about football. Okay. It's Thursday afternoon, Thursday night game. It's Kansas City at Denver. We're not predicting the future anymore, but we'll give you a little taste of what we think might happen here. Well, somebody's, somebody's streak's got to end, Steve. Don't make fun of our partners, the NFL. Look, I'm, I'm not making fun of them as much as the tweet they put out. They put out one of those tweets, you know, that happens with these somebody streaks got to end deals. Yeah. Only theirs was uh, Denver's coming off the back of two wins. The Chiefs are on the back of two losses. So somebody's streaks got to end. It fooled Only, me for a second. You think about it. If Denver wins, then no, that doesn't happen at all. Yeah. So it's probably not going to. Right. Yeah. I, I explained it to you. It was like, hey, check out this idiocy. It took me a second. And you were like, it does. It just took me a second. I needed to read it. Yeah, apparently. If I read it, I would have understood it better. Um, So So, so Denver's playing some good defense. I always talk about them being a team that's difficult to play at Denver. Kansas City, we've got Patrick Mahomes coming off his lowest graded game of his entire career. What are you expecting to see in this one? 
I mean, I do think it's interesting because this this Chiefs offense is kind of struggling overall because he's banged up, because the offensive line is in pieces. Tyreek Hill is back now. That's a big help to that. We saw what he's capable of doing last week, you know, going up, mossing guys twice his size and muscling his way into the end zone from that point. Um, So that'll definitely help. Uh, But yeah, it is. It's an interesting um, it's an interesting dynamic now. Denver's up to number five in our coverage grade. So as always, it's going to come down to the pass game. Pass the ball, stop the pass. Denver at least has an opportunity to slow down Kansas City's offense. I don't think Kansas City ends up losing the third straight. I do think somebody's streak has to end. So both streaks are ending. Yeah, not just one of them. Mm. Both streaks are going to end. Kansas City won. If you guys are listening on Friday, you saw Kansas City won. Mm. So there we go. Kansas City. Both streaks. At Denver. Let's get to this weekend. Some other good divisional games on the slate. Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Houston's hot these last couple weeks. Watson, Deshaun Watson playing extremely well the last couple weeks. Everybody's got some Watson Mahomes takes now and you know, throwing Watson in this top five quarterback group. And then the Colts, Jacoby Brissett at the helm, not playing that great, but the Colts are winning games mm-hmm. and they've done a nice job all around as a team. What are you looking for? Well, we saw what the, the Indianapolis defense was able to do to Mahomes uh, and the Chiefs offense in that game. Are they going to be able to do the same thing to Deshaun Watson? Are they going to be able to slow them down the same way? Are they overall going to be able to execute the same game plan? Because a big part of slowing down the Chiefs offense was being able to establish the run, as they say, themselves. Was it really, though? I think it was. Yeah, it, it's not that that's the thing that's going to win you the game. But that is a part of slowing down these high octane offenses, simply denying them the ball. If you if you can have eight minute drives. Right. That's what I'm saying. That is helpful. Yeah. So that's part of it, right? Is this ability to deny the opposition the ball. You don't tend so this doesn't in it doesn't tend to happen as much in football, right? There there are ways that football and rugby have parallels on the basis that they used to be the same game back in the eighteen hundreds. Most most of the time it's they've diverged enough so that there aren't that many direct comparisons anymore but there are times in rugby where if your opposition if their attack is so dynamic one of your game plans is to starve them of the ball retain possession at all costs do not kick it back to them do not let them have the ball because that's when they're at their most dangerous right you can still do that in football as well but it's just that you need to actually have some kind of success on on offense yourself right but the idea is still the same if we can actually execute these long you know, exhausting drives and keep the time of possession high because we're running the ball. You can basically stop them having the ball for very, very long at all. And that was definitely a part of the Chiefs struggling on offense against the Colts. And it would be a part, I think, of doing the same thing to um, to Deshaun Watson. But, you know, the, it's the Texans defensive front now instead of the the. Uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, you've got DJ Reader playing. We've mentioned him quite a bit, uh, playing extremely well up front for the Texans. JJ Watt still over there. Indianapolis has the number two team run blocking grade, led by Quentin Nelson, mm-hmm. ninety plus overall grade for the left guard, and he's coming off one of the best, highest graded games we've ever given to a guard. And uh, you know, hashtag fun to watch Quentin Nelson in that offensive line for the Colts. Marlon Max running extremely well I don't know if the Colts they don't want to fall too much into that run first approach we always talk about that in general but um, that is where their strength is right now up front I still think Jacoby Brissett's got to play a little bit better yeah, sure yeah he had a rough red zone interception a couple weeks ago against Kansas City 
and stat wise a little inflated uh, this season with his 10 touchdowns. Yeah, I just think that that game plan generally is it would be the same way to win this game, but it's a lot harder to achieve this time because that they're unlikely to dominate the Houston defensive front the same way they did Kansas City's. Uh, Indianapolis also a decent pass rush and Houston. I think one of my complaints about Deshaun Watson earlier in the year wasn't so much about the offensive line. It was actually, hey, their offensive line, it's crept back toward average. It's getting there. Watson has been taking too many sacks, but the last two weeks he's been much better. And he's one of those big play quarterbacks that has to find that that perfect balance, right? The big playability when you hold the ball versus getting the ball out quick. And we mentioned on Monday, Watson like 23 for 25 in the zero to nine yard range against Kansas City. They did a really nice job scheming it up, getting the ball out of his hands, but also allowing for him to make plays down the field. And that's where I think Houston is most scary with their playmakers on the field, Watson making good decisions, still having the big plays in the bag. Uh, Houston could go on. If if Watson keeps playing like that and they keep calling plays like that, Houston has a chance to go on a run here. I like them in this game. Yeah, Laramie Tunsil right now has the number two um, pass blocking grade amongst all tackles. Only Ronnie Stanley's is better. Um, His run blocking hasn't been as good, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Uh, The pass blocking is by far the most important thing of that. Uh, So they have actually... You know, we talked at the time of, you know, the talk that he's one of the, he's one of the best left tackles in the NFL is probably a little bit overblown. Um, I think it still probably is, but right now he's holding up that end of it when it comes to pass blocking, at least. Oh yeah, he's he's doing well. Um, I'm going to look at also. Here's the weird thing about Kansas City: the last two weeks they played these two teams, Colts and the Texans, with completely banged up secondaries. You know, if you saw Patrick Mahomes and that passing offense going up against the guys that have been trotted out by the Colts and the Texans, you'd think that Mahomes is thrown for, you yeah, know, a lot of yards, a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns in two games. But that hasn't been the case. I think it's going to be tough for both teams to keep it up, though, from a coverage standpoint, especially more so Houston, who's really banged up just last week. Guys like Lonnie Johnson over, uh, you know, performing well. So I think it's just something to keep an eye on because on paper, Neither secondary is looking great right now. And this could be the chance for Brissett to turn some things around and maybe for Watson to continue his strong stretch. Yeah, I think this is true. Who you got in this one? Uh, who do I have in this one? What are you looking at, JJ? Indianapolis. Yeah, we uh, we tweeted this. or No, we didn't. We teased this during our midweek show that I had to abandon you on. Um Early, we were talking about players that have moved essentially positions on the defensive line, either from outside to inside or inside to outside. And J.J. Watt is one of the most successful sort of transitions we've seen, right? He was a dominant interior pass rusher earlier in his career, and then they transitioned him to more of an edge rushing player, um, and he was still ridiculously good, right? Then he goes and gets injured a bunch of times, comes back. He's playing well this year. He actually leads the NFL in total pressures. But he's still not the player he used to be. Um, And actually, if you look on tape, you can kind of see it. He's still really effective, but he isn't as explosive as he used to be. He's not as truly quick and dynamic and scary off the ball. Just just Um, for perspective, every week there are some wow plays that Aaron Donald puts out there. Where it's like that is faster and stronger and more dynamic than anybody else on the field. That was Watt a few years ago. Right. Where it's not just he's really good. It's he's at a different level. And you could see it. You know, that, that week one performance from Ryan Ramchek that was so impressive. You, I don't think you could have done that against J.J. Watt before all the injuries 
because part of it was, you know, you flash the hands, you get him to commit to a move. But the point is, he was you wouldn't have time to do that with old J.J. Watt. He was so fast off the line to you. You know, you just didn't have time to start messing around with that kind of stuff. Right. And match him. You know what I mean? You would lose your track. You basically couldn't keep up, keep up with him. Now I think you can. So I was kind of wondering whether the Texans need to move him back inside more and put him essentially back as an interior pass rusher, a three technique type player more than an edge rusher, whether he would still be as dominant as he used to be uh, because the quickness is, it's not that it's not important inside. It's just that it's not as important as that burst to get around the corner. Thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I just think you need, you need a replacement. And if it was, if they still had Clowney, and you had Whitney Merciless, then it's like, all right, that makes that makes a little bit more sense. Um, but it's kind of like the Donald thing, right? I mean, if if Don, Donald actually is probably the best edge rusher on the Rams, for better or for worse. Possibly, yeah. Right? And Watt's the best edge rusher on the Texans, so you got to do what's best for the team until you have somebody else that could rush off the edge to kind of yeah, replace Yeah, and that. it's interesting. If you look at how they, you know, they term this team um, or how they label these guys in base defense or whatever, you might think that JJ Watt is already an interior rusher. But if you look at where they're actually lining up every single snap, 250, uh, yeah, 250 of his 375 snaps this year have basically been, uh, have basically been outside the tackle rather than inside. So he's still Are they calling him a three, four D. I, I think so. Even, yeah. I, I think they're labeling him anymore. as a three, four defensive end in their base system, but obviously, but that's not teams aren't playing base most of the time. So for 250 of his 350 snaps, or 375 snaps, essentially he's lined up outside, not inside. So it should be a good matchup. I'm expecting a lot of points in this one. I, I know see that. both teams coming off decent performances against the chiefs. That's the last game. Both teams played. They did a night, but I just in the dome, with still some questions on the back end, I think. I think we'll see some points in this one. I'm taking Houston. You're taking Indy. Uh, let's um, let's just stick with the division games first, and we'll, we'll circle back. On, oh, no, should we go? We have we, to go in order. We have to go in this order because we have a fancy ticker now. The ticker's down here. Yeah, yeah. ticker down there. Monitor over there. Ticker down here. I can't but call audibles games, anymore. The games are going to flash up in the order. Okay, I don't want to screw anybody up. Tyler. So Very professional up, here. We can't. A, it'll be wrong, and B, he's going to come in here and beat you over the head with something. I'm afraid of Tyler, so we're going to go New Orleans Saints at Chicago Bears. There you go. That's the game we want to go uh-huh. to next. Yep. Trubisk? The Bisk. Is he back? Bisk is back. Against Teddy Bridgewater. A lot of stories here. I mean, this was one of those games early in the season. These two teams uh, almost played in the playoffs last year. It would have been in Chicago. Had uh, had the Bears beaten the the Eagles, I believe that's I believe that's the way it would have played out. Um, is that right? Or did the Saints have the number one seed? I, I think that no. Either way, they they almost played each other. That's the point, right? And uh, you know, it it would have been. I would have really liked to see Breeze against this Bears defense. I think that would have been a great matchup. Teddy Bridgewater coming off a couple, you know, a really good game against Tampa Bay. Pretty good last week. This is going to be a challenge for him though against this Bears D. Who so of the in this game you've got the bisque on the way back you've got Chase Daniel waiting in the wings Daniels Daniel oh, Daniel da- Chase Daniel waiting in the wings to you know potentially take over if he needs to um, you've got Teddy uh, being the the backup quarterback in New Orleans who's been starting with Breeze and then you've got the X factor that is um, Taysom Hill who is the best quarterback in this game Hmm Teddy 
Teddy and Trubisk and I don't think Daniel's better than Trubisky. Okay. I just don't think it I just don't think that's the case yet. I certainly think that Trubisky has a higher ceiling, but if you were throwing one guy out there right now and asking which one was gonna play better, I think it's probably a coin flip. Yeah. I mean we've we've been trying to be reasonable these last few weeks and say, look, Kirk Cousins is playing poorly, but we expect him to get better. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. I think Trubisky even though he really struggled those first few weeks, I don't know that he's as bad as he showed. He should be at least a little bit better. What The trouble is, you know, he has sat out for a couple of weeks. and He has. Injury. What concerns me about him, I honestly think that, think that could be good for him, to be honest. I mean, I said at the time that he might be in need of a reset that takes place outside of the week-by-week grind. Of, this is what happened with Donald last right. year, we said, yeah. Um, what concerns me about Trubisky is not just that he's playing badly and it's some weird stuff that kind of tends to swing back. It's that he was playing badly enough that they were changing how the offense was functioning to try and make him better. Yeah. And he was still not getting any better. At that point, like when the whole offense is changing to try and help you out and you're still drowning, that's bad. That's really bad. His uh, his numbers ended up not being so bad after those first few weeks. 81 passer rating. He had a couple uh, gimme touchdowns against the Redskins in week three, that Monday night football game. But still, 5.5 yards per attempt in a 45 uh, overall PFF grade so far this year. Uh, Daniel in his place with a 70 grade, 7.1 yards per attempt, pass rating of 95.6. So clearly the offense was more productive with Chase Daniel. I do think they might be, you know, are the Bears like a Trubisky? Are they two bad games away from decision time on him? Yeah. And it's got to be, you know, even though he's in his third year, only his third year at some point it's like hey we got we have a we have a playoff roster here we have to make the best right. decision for the team and right? when you're heading in the wrong direction that's not helpful right if it was his third year and we were slowly ticking upwards and it's like all right we've got a bit more time you know he's heading in the right direction we can we can drag this out a little bit longer kick the can down the road a bit because he's going to come good now it's like well we're year three he's heading backwards like where how does this come good what is this paint me the picture that shows me how this ends up in a good space after this year. If we keep this plan, it's probably more off season discussion, but we keep hammering home this concept of like, keep looking for a quarterback until you have the Matt Ryan guy, right? Matt Ryan rule. And I think the bills as optimistic as we are about the four and one bills and one of the easiest schedules in the NFL going forward. And they're probably going to be a playoff team because of it. If the bills have, if the bills try to learn anything from the bears, of last year or the Jaguars of 2017, just be honest about your quarterback situation. And unless, unless you feel really good about Josh Allen, let's just say being a top 15 quarterback, unless you feel really good about that, like keep looking for a lot. And it's not, this isn't to pick on Josh Allen or Trubisky, but generally keep looking. If the, if the dolphins during the Tannehill years were keeping this mentality, then they wouldn't have, you know, had to ride it out for seven years of Tannehill. Same thing with the Bengals and Andy Dalton. And if you miss along the way, it's okay. You still have Andy Dalton. You still have Ryan Tannehill. You still have Josh Allen. But but look. Yeah. Flirt. And honestly, you don't even need to go like too hard at it. Like if you're looking just involves taking a Gardner Minshew every year in the sixth round. Right. Yeah. You'll find out pretty quickly if that guy's better than you thought he was. Yeah, and that's right. still looking without. It's still looking without dramatically undermining the guy. Who's starting, right? Man, I, I, so I, I know you don't buy into I, I, I don't care. 
As, but, even as a former professional athlete, Sam, I just say forget the mental component. If my franchise quarterback can't handle a little bit of competition uh-huh. and controversy, then he's not my franchise quarterback. And when you're the GM, you can institute that rule. But there are definitely a lot of teams out there that are not going to screw with the mental state of their supposed franchise quarterback, right? To keep yeah. looking to potentially get better because they think ultimately he is the guy and they just don't want to mess with it, right? But if you can take, like, so Josh Allen is a great example, right? Josh Allen, there are going to be guys in that building that think, yeah, Josh Allen is the guy. You're sure he's got some work to do. We'll get better every year. By like year three or four, he'll be a top QB. He'll be everything we need him to be, right? But when you say that, you know, he needs to get better at this, this, and this for that to happen. So there's unknowns there. Those things might not happen. And if they don't, he isn't that guy. So you can do that and say, all right, I have faith that this guy will become a quality um, high-level franchise quarterback in the next couple of years. But just in case that doesn't happen, I'm going to draft a guy in the sixth round every single year and see if that guy is better than I thought he was. I might draft a first-rounder. I mean, I, I think we overrate. <laughs> I think I think with the difference between analytics and just trusting the numbers and then this discussion about how does this make a guy feel is we overrate the effect of the feel, right? And the, here's the effect of the, So if Tom Brady's on the roster and they draft Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round, immediately we think, well, Tom's going to be upset. Therefore, performance might drop. Or um, what was the other? Oh, Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith. Well, they just drafted Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith's performance is going to drop when the reality was the opposite. Alex Smith got better. Tom Brady got better in that situation. And, I don't even, and it's not even that they're going to get better or worse. I just think they're going to be the same guy. Ultimately, throw for throw, Josh Allen will be the same guy whether you draft Tua in the first round next year or not, whoever it is. Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert. They're going to be the same guy. I honestly don't know. Um, I told you it's an off-season discussion. It's not for for this week. Well, it's going to have to be right for this second. We can move off in a minute. This could be a whole separate video. But there are definitely guys, look, there are definitely guys who, just playing random sports with them, right? There are people that if, if you piss them off, they play worse. And then there are people that if you piss them off, they play better. Well, they're right? usually the better players. Whatever. But Rodgers, Brady, no, Breeze. There's definitely people that aren't great players. If you piss them off, they play way better. Yeah. Um, so my point is people react differently to these kind of things, right? It's not a one-size-fits-all rule. There are going to be people where if you draft their potential successor, like I imagine Brady, right? You could draft that guy's successor every single year. All it's going to do is make him mad and outplay the guy and it'll last till he's 72 years old purely out of the hatred of proving you wrong (laughs) that you dared to draft his replacement because he was in his 60s, right? Brady, I would imagine, is that kind of human. There are going to be other people where if you draft his successor, it's going to like completely undermine his entire mental, you know, fortitude. You're going to erode the very foundation that guy's self-belief is built on. And you know what that is? And he goes to hell. And that's the equivalent of you trashing a fan base and then filtering out your, uh, you know, muting everybody that you don't need. Maybe. If you've got a quarterback that can't handle that type of stress, then he's probably not the guy you want. Well, the point is, maybe that guy is good. Stress. Maybe that guy is good enough to play if you know if he's getting all the love. If you're a guy going, "Great job, son! Keep going! You're doing a great job!" Everybody's giving him you know praise. The second you draft his successor, all that confidence is out the window, and he starts playing worse. I'm just saying, I entirely believe that that's possible, and I know for a fact there are coaches and GMs that think it is. At which point. Oh, I know what they think. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up topics like we do here at PFF to kind of think outside the box and, sure. re, and recalibrate so saying, our thinking. The way to get around that for those people is you can, you can still keep looking, just draft them lower. 
because nobody believes a six-round quarterback is after your job, even though he clearly is. You're going to get a threat. You're the one that's going to be giving your franchise quarterback a participation trophy and training camp. A good training camp, kid. Nice I'm gonna, job. I'm going to find out what kind of mental makeup the guy has and adjust accordingly. Hmm. I'm going to challenge his mental makeup. And I'm if it's not good, I'm going to challenge it more. I'm going to put my players in the best position to succeed. Well, so now you're going to be a GM. I may be. Hmm. We'll see. You might not be on my staff. We can't get on the same page about this. Anyway, <laughs> good discussion. New Orleans Saints at the Chicago Bears. What are you expecting to see in this game? Uh, what else? I I was going to say I expect the better quarterback to win, but it turns out looking at my picks, I don't expect that. Um, 13 to 10, another another 13 to 10 type game, 13 to 6. It has to be, right? This is Soldier Field. This is two not great quarterbacks going up against two pretty good defenses. This has got to be ugly. Like, I don't see any way there's a ton of points in this game. You know what I want to see? No. Khalil Mack, Ryan Ramchek, one-on-one. Talk about Ramchek against J.J. Watt. He's got another big challenge here. Will Mack flip sides a little bit, get, you know, Teron Armstead on the other side? That's a, I mean, the Saints have probably the best tackle duo in the NFL, right? I can't think of any that are better right now off the top of my head. Well, Lyle and Tyron Smith, maybe. Uh, Yeah, that's true. When they're healthy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think if you're into the, I think the trench battle will be nice. Chicago's got the... They have the that classic average to slightly above average offensive line. The Saints have a pretty good defensive front this year, so I think I think the trench battle is going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lattimore and Allen Robinson. I was going to say, is Allen Robinson good enough to get Marshawn Lattimore to care about this game? I would think so. He's kind of he's in nuke nuke territory. No, he didn't like nuke. He didn't care about. No, he didn't care about nuke. Uh, he's kind of in nuke territory this year, well, though. Maybe it's like he the just, only guy graded well. Maybe he just saw the future. Maybe he watched nukes. Uh, training camp and thought, you know what, this guy's not going to be great this year. I'm on, I'm on up for it this time. And apparently he was right. Nuke's, think, not, Nuke's not been the same player so far. Maybe he was right. Maybe Marshawn uh, just knows the game better than you, Steve. Yeah, that's doubtful. Uh, so I'm taking New Orleans for some reason. Do you want to flip picks? No. No, no. I'm happy with, with Chicago. I'm taking New Orleans. I don't know what the line is, but that feels like a little bit of an upset. Well, we could tell you right at now, Chicago. Steve, You can look it up. EFF green line for that. What is green line? thinking this can we give green line picks out or suggestions well here's the thing we're on we're on air, we're on air live so if we can't no one can tell us about it until after That's the true fact. i mean green line's just there to give you a whole bunch so, of information the market is three it. and a half for the bears yeah so when you bear in mind they're at home that's essentially the half point edge uh, but he's winning at home this year green line is only 2.3 for the bears so green line actually thinks that the saints are a better team they're just on the road and if you look at the elo stuff that backs it up, right? Saints, Saints are, are two overall. The uh, the Burrs are twelve. That's because Eric has pro Teddy bias. Well, that's, yeah, and he we writes the probably, algorithm. We should so. probably make sure he hasn't folded that in. So that's what it is. All right, I'm taking the Saints. All right, let's do it. Now another division game: Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. In the correct order, so it doesn't jack the. That's uh, the order. I know. Yeah, this is the game that the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins to win. Not this last week. The, Nah, they kind of say, oh, yeah, well, home game against the Eagles. I mean, they're an NFC East team. We got to beat some NFC North teams on the road at some point. We do. I mean, we got to win on the road, period. We the Vikings. Point, right? Yeah. Because they're, what, 3-0 and at home, not 3-0 and on the road. Hence the, you know, not lossless record. So at some point, they're going to have to actually show up and win a game on the road. The Lions are presumably going to be massively pissed off heading into this game, given how they basically got screwed by the officials against the Packers last week. So you've got to assume they're going to be pretty motivated to come out here and get a win. That game, that was such a huge game in terms of like the NFC North 
um, it was standings yeah. in terms of like playoff implications and illegal stuff. hands to the neck turning things around because the Lions have got a tie and the NFL's like tie breaking situation almost breaks down when it when there's a tie involved. That game is literally the difference between the Lions being first and last in the division. Yeah, um, it's like a two game right swing essentially. So as it is, they're last, but like, they're not they're not bad. And they may actually be the best team in the division. No, I've, the Vikings have been spectacularly unable to do anything on the road. As much as we haven't been impressed with what Detroit did from a team-building standpoint the last couple of years on paper, I have been impressed with the results. I've been impressed with what they've done. I think a bigger part of it, uh, rather than, hey, they added Trey Flowers or they added this guy or that guy or they built a run game, is the fact that Matthew Stafford's throwing the ball about four yards per target further down the field this year than he did last year like four per t- per target that's a lot right and and i'm i'm all for it i'm all for stafford like four attacking down the field four is usually the sort of difference between the ends of the spectrum right four is the difference between alex smith end and uh james winston end which are usually the two like complete ends of that spectrum that spans about four yards Typically, yeah, it's, and Stafford is increased by that amount. It's great. I mean, they started out that Green Bay game attacking down the field. I kind of wish they they did a little bit more. Well, that was just he had about 120 yards on four, his first four attempts. What the two big they were establishing the run. That's why they were winning. Yeah, he hit that 65, 70 yarder off right off the bat with no run establishment. How about mm. that? It was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, this one is this one going to get into a shootout? Another dome. Uh you know, Stafford being aggressive. Cousins got that 108 passer rating, Sam. Number three yeah. in the NFL. How about that? So now the interesting thing is uh, Detroit's, obviously their defensive system plays a lot of man coverage. So now you're asking um, Diggs and Thielen to win against man coverage, which obviously they can do. They're very good players. But, you know, Darius Slay is a top cover corner. That's going to be a fascinating matchup to see. Does the fact that they play man uh, man coverage force Cousins back into that hold the ball forever mode where all the problems right. come from. I, I think Cousins is coming off a couple weeks against busted coverages, open coverages, the Giants, the Eagles, uh, easier throws, not taking anything away from Cousins. He's played really well these last couple weeks. Generally, what teams that play man coverage, though, just give up lower completion percentages because tighter windows, it's more difficult. You'll give up some bigger plays if a guy gets whooped in, in one-on-one. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm not expecting Cousins to put up the same type of numbers he did the last couple of weeks. No, but I, I think the huge thing is that time to throw stuff, right? The Eagles, we, that was the conversation heading into that game is, can they exploit that secondary given the pass rush that's coming at them because it's this sort of catch-22 situation? Now, the secondary broke down so much they were just able to put the ball in the air quickly and exploit the really terrible secondary. Cousins got the ball out um, on average in a top 10 one of the 10 fastest guys last week heading into that week, he'd been the slowest, the right. slowest in the NFL. So that difference of top 10 fastest versus slowest is everything when you don't have a good offensive line. So this week it's now they're going to play man coverage in theory that forces you to hold the ball a little bit longer because it takes some time to win against that. Does he go back to being the slowest guy in the NFL in terms of getting the ball out of his hands, in which case he's going to be under pressure a ton again, or can he maintain the quick, delivery stuff and that's how they win well it's gonna be, i think it's gonna be another good one i'm i'm intrigued by the vikings having their three divisional road games over by week seven and potentially in a good spot after that in a in, in right they're sitting there at four and two round right, right. so okay. even if they lose this game 
they have a winning record having gotten all those three games out of the way. It is just the way the schedule plays out. You know, last year they had to go to Chicago late. They had to go to Detroit late. And it just felt like, oh, you know, this was it, the, the schedule was, was reversed. And I in a lot of, you know, the Vikings have the number three graded defense so far this year. And somehow I think just their inconsistency has them flying under the radar. Is yeah. that fair? Or just the fact that they did well, because they beat up on the Giants and then like last so I think that's part of it. But potentially, impressive. let's say games go the right way. They could end up in this spot, A, with a winning record, B, um, with those three games out of the way against their division foes, all of whom could have a winning record. So like the entire NFC North could have a winning record at that point, right. And they'd have gotten the hard games against those teams out of the way. Like that would be huge for this team. I think there's definitely a degree to which they're flattered by the fact that their wins have come against bad teams at home. Yeah. Um, but that would be massive for them. And just generally, right. Even if they are a little bit propped up by that, the idea that they do have those hardest games out of the way and still are here with a winning record looking down the stretch with a much easier run-in would be massive for them. So all that said, where are you going in this one? By the way, if that did happen, they would also be 0-3 in those games. If they lose. Right. Yeah. So they may be out of the way, but they'd have lost them all. Yeah, but it's but if you're sitting there and then you're 4-3 and three, right. and you don't have those on the schedule, I don't know. Yes. No, I mean, it's, it's better than still having them to come, but it would, you know... Do we have Cousins numbers? I mean, so Stafford has some, uh, we don't buy into a QB record stuff, right? But I do think when you've got, when you have extremes and when you have like Stafford's record against, what was it like winning teams on the road? Like him and Cousins have like this very similar profile where they win games that they kind of should win, but they very rarely, if ever, are the winning quarterback in a game that they shouldn't win. Do you know what those are off the top of your head? It's not something we do, but it's just, they're not... They're the two quarterbacks that seem to be like lacking. I'd also that. be interested to know what his record is in the division, period. Cousins? Yeah. In general? Yeah. Well. Neither of which we have. Well prepared so, here. So well prepared well, here. Well brought up. Well, I mean, it's just, it's one of those games where you've got two, they're, they're still mid-tier quarterbacks. They're still in that, you know, 10 to 19 range as far as quarterback rankings go. And their play can fluctuate in, in any given year. And I think it's a big game for both guys. Yeah. You've, uh, you've got a fascinating ad read now, right? Yeah, first off, we're both taking Detroit. We are. What do you got, Steve? Perfect Package 2.0. What's it's, that? It's Halloween time because support from the PFF NFL podcast for the NFL, PFF NFL podcast, is from coming from Manscaped today. Yes. One of our favorites. Number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, fellas. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Fascinating. So how is this? Uh, how have they weaved in manscaping to to the upcoming Halloween? Why would you set me up for that? Because it's beautiful. I I need to hear it. I need to. Uh, that's not highlighted. Therefore, I was not going to read that specifically. <laughs> I think you should. I think people deserve hearing you read that. I'll read it. How's that? You can do the stuff that's highlighted, and I'll read the one that isn't. Halloween's right around the corner, Steve. And you don't want to spook someone out with your scary bush. You don't. You don't. You might be Chewbacca, Bigfoot, or a hairy bear, but it's what's under the costume that really matters. I'm just insulted because those are things people call me. Do they? Not regularly. Not yeah. So anyway, the, 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 the manscape takes care of that, apparently. Yeah. And you know what? You, you get the lawnmower 2.0 and that's how you, you get the lawnmower 2.0 and you take care of your scary bush. So inside the perfect package, you'll find... The electric trimmer called the lawnmower 2.0, which yeah. is fantastic. The waterproof and skin safe technology will protect you from nicking your pumpkins. 
I love the themed. <laughs> Excellent. I love the theme stuff. You can also create less mess by trimming in the shower. Huh. Okay. 2.0, baby. That's not going to cause like a clogging problem? Listen, we're trying to, sorry, we're trying sorry, to push okay. this product I'm just, here. Uh, well, um, the product may be fantastic, but that seems to be an ancillary issue that could, could arise. Well, listen, we're giving 20% off plus free shipping. Promo code PFF is over at manscaped.com. Everybody's got bad manscaped stories, Sam. And Lawnmower 2.0 takes care of all of that, I, gentlemen. Look, everybody needs to go there, buy this thing, just to keep this ad going so we can read out these things. Because I can't wait to hear how they weave it into Christmas. That's the best way to push it, how right? They, how they, like, there's a whole, every holiday that's going to have one of these associated with it, right? Oh, yeah. So we need, we want Manscaped to be with us forever. They sent us a bunch of products. We're all in. You guys can be too. 20% off plus free shipping. Promo codes PFF at manscapes.com. There's got to be like a Christmas presents pun they're going to weave in there. That's that's how they're going to stitch that one. I can't wait. Yeah. So everybody go check out manscapes.com, please. So you need to buy so we we still have this read when it's Christmas time. It's time to get clean and mean with this perfect package (laughs) 2.0. Manscapes.com. We love you guys. Beautiful. What's the next game? Uh, The next game is the Los Angeles Rams at the Atlanta. 1.0 1.0 Falcons. Yikes. There's already rumblings about head coaching candidates just dying to line up for the Falcons job. That was I mean, that's can, a good job. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the roster's not terrible. No. You have a quarterback. You have a lot of money invested in the quarterback, but you have a quarterback. You don't yep. have to worry about that. You have the Matt Ryan line quarterback in Matt Ryan. You do, right? You're already there. Although, so. are we sure he's still Matt Ryan? Yeah. I mean, he's playing... So let's let's use the same Kirk Cousins logic. Matt Ryan is playing a little bit below his normal standard. Yes. We're talking about a guy who pretty annually grades in the 80s. He's gotten up into the 90s before. This year he's at 75.2. So we should be able to we should expect him to get better. And despite all of that, again much like the Cousins th- Cousins thing, his the actual passing output for the team, 102.7 passer rating, the output for the team is good. You know, to me, that's like if, if the Falcons defense wasn't such a disaster, that would be an encouraging scenario. Hey, True. we're moving the ball through the air. Despite Matt Ryan playing a little bit below standard, he'll get better. The passing production will go up and we'll have a nice little second half of the season. The problem is they have what, one win. They're not winning games. Yeah. Despite all this. Here's the thing, though. So people talk about, you know, I mean, we're talking about it. This idea of the Matt Ryan line for quarterbacks. People talk about players as always being the same. You know, this is what you are, and you basically stay that level all the time. Guys get better and they get worse. And in particular, quarterbacks, like he might not be the old Matt Ryan anymore. What intrigues me is, you know, the way like guys like the the 2012 season of quarterbacks, uh, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, RG3, they kind of broke the way everybody thinks about how quarterbacks are supposed to start in the league. You know, you see this idea of development time and you know, learning, and then we'll put you out there when you're ready. Yeah, they all looked legit right off right. the bat. And it may take a few years, whereas those guys were all like fresh out of the box, immediate Pro Bowl caliber players. Yep. You're like, oh, okay, maybe now we just expect them to be good from the get-go. Right. Um, does the Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees group of quarterbacks, did they do the same thing for like retirement age, right? Now we're starting to think, oh, quarterbacks are just going to go on until they're 40-odd. And that's what we expect now. But it used to be like 35, you were old, busted, and on the way out. Maybe for most quarterbacks, that's still true. 
And when a Matt Ryan gets to 35, it's actually, you know what? He might be close to done. Not, you know, you're seven years away from the end. Like Matt Ryan right now is having his worst season since... Uh, since his 2013, yeah, since his, uh, I mean, 2013 was the definitely since 2013. If you want to go strictly by grade, then all the way since 2009, since 09, right? Um, but basically for a long time, right? Yep. Now maybe that's just a blip, and as you say, we've we've hit a bad run of games, or he started the season poorly. He'll bounce back, and we'll get you know good Matt Ryan again. But he's 35 years old. Maybe, maybe it's the start. Wait, he's 35, 34.4. Is he? Yeah. That's not right. Yeah, he is, huh? Yeah. He's also listed at 217 pounds, by the 34. way. 34.4. Look, I, I just think I, I view it more a quarterback's going to be in this range of good, and there's a confidence level that he's going to be in this range. Right now, Matt Ryan's in the bottom end yeah. of that range. So I would actually expect him to just, I would just expect him to get better. I mean, he's like Cousins in terms of he's been in the same 10 point grading band for the last five straight years yeah so i i would expect him to revert back to progress back to the mean okay positive regression to the mean is what neil uh corrected us on for monday yeah positive regression to the mean is exactly and plus ryan's been awesome the last couple of weeks he's been good the last couple of weeks not awesome sorry um <laughs> had a fumble that he you know got away with but as far as throwing the ball last week against arizona 30 for 36 for 356 was solid Okay. Right. So right. I think he's going to be, I think he's all right. Plus he's playing in a dome for another six weeks. Well, that'll help. I mean, obviously got to go with my dome analysis. You do. I'm just saying that at some point we need to think these things through. Yeah. So to, to your question though, hmm. what was that to your question though, the league's easier. Yeah. So I think it's easier for rookies. It's easier for old folks. I mean, it's, folks. yeah, that's what it is. It's just an easier league. So you can get more, you definitely, I mean, you, definitely, you, don't get, you don't get hit as much as you used to. So that's going to help extend anybody's career. But yeah, I don't know. Like a lot of these guys, they started playing like crap in their mid thirties because their arm went. That's probably not changing. No, I agree with that. I mean, and, and then just at a macro level, if you look at Matt Ryan, he has a 75 grade and a 102 passer rating. Just looking at those two numbers coming into the season, we said, well, he's going to put up good numbers because he's got Julio Calvin, Muhammad Sanu. And, you know, he's got guys to throw to and he's got domes and Austin Hooper. I think that's what's played out. So now you've got subpar performance, decent production. And usually that's, you know, you're scheming it up or you got good playmakers. That's what Atlanta has. I think the passing production is going to be fine in Atlanta. Ultimately is what I'm talking about. On the other side of the ball, it's a disaster. Hmm. Counterpoint, though, is two worst games so far have come at home. Yeah, it's just the, the league this year is weird, man. Okay. You know what's going to happen? No. What's so going to happen? About halfway through the NFL season, actually this week, okay. they have meetings and they say, let's let's emphasize things. Huh. So remember last year, it was like, let's forget this stupid roughing the passer nonsense. Yeah. It's been bad. Let's call more holding penalties. They're low. Let's make them high. Is the focus now going to be the fact that away teams are winning like 60% of games this year or whatever it is? And they're going to be like, hey, we got to get the home. We got to get the keep the fans happy. We want fans going home happy. We want the home teams to win more. Because we were talking about it internally. What, how, what, what, what makes for a home field advantage? You got some noise factor, and maybe it's easier for pass rushers and all that stuff. But if you just look at the penalty numbers through the years, that's, per Dr. Eric Eager, a huge part of it. Refs are influenced by the home team. The noise, yeah. Do you think that started last Monday night? <laughs> 
Do you think the emphasis started on... Uh, it feels like that was a really clumsy way of doing it if it was. All right, guys. We need home teams to win more. We need the home team Illegal to hands to the neck. So just start calling illegal hands to the face every play. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't feel like the, the smoothest way of, of implementing that if you're going to do it. Just something to keep an eye out for. Uh, just okay. wonder if that's going to be one of the, uh, the emphasis here in the, in the second half. Huh. So the Rams... I mean, there's a ton of storylines here. The Rams have uh, Jalen Ramsey coming in. Yeah. He might have... Uh, you seen the Kevin Nash gif? Uh, where he's got like... Uh, oh, the, the, broken the broken leg, leg thing. Yeah. And he rips it off. And it's, oh, it's a fake cast. And everybody's using that for Jalen Ramsey. Right. The back injuries. Oh, I'm sure that back injury is already Good. gone. Well, maybe, maybe things heal quicker on the West Coast. Yeah. That could be it. I don't think that's true. West Coast healing powers. I don't... I mean, I'm not sure anybody thought that that was like truly legit. The back injury thing. It felt like, you know, when you're trying to get out of something and you come up with an excuse and you're yeah, like, that might not be that's a good really hard to scan. What's that's that? the thing that's really hard to scan. That's what you go for. It's like, oh, muscle in the back. Well, no, like, there was well, the... that's very hard to actually identify from any current medical scan. So, but sometimes like convenient, you're trying to come up with an excuse and the first one feels like it's good, but people aren't really buying it. So you come up with another one and another one that first week that he wasn't practicing. It's like, yeah, I got, I got the flu and I'm having a baby in my back. Uh, so he was just kind of like stacking them up. Yeah. He's got a lot of different excuses. Yeah. But the, so there but was the like, flu's gone. The baby's right. here. But there are certain things where like you can't really say, oh, it's a sore knee because they run you through the scanner. And you're like, there's literally no problem with your knee whatsoever. But still sore. Yeah. But they, like as soon as there's nothing there, they're like, oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Tough it out. Right. The, back's the tough back thing. Saying. Yeah. Like back spasms. It's one of those where it's very difficult to actually find a problem with that in the scanner. They kind of have to just go with your word. So it's one of those ones that I think is, you know, Long since been in the the bank of yeah. It is, if you want to you want to get out of something, back spasms. <laughs> so how about some Jalen Ramsey and uh, Julio Jones matching up this week? That could be fun. The, so the Ramsey thing is fascinating because he's got that one phenomenal season in terms of PFF grading and you know just overall, right? The grade has never quite got back to that level, but it's difficult to separate the difficulty of the gig they've had him doing because he's gone up against some of these incredible receivers. And his numbers against those receivers are significantly better than almost any other cornerback over the same span, right? So, yes, the grade never quite got back there, but there's no one else out there that was having that kind of job. That's the old Patrick Peterson or Darrell Rivas gig in terms of you're getting the toughest guy every single week, make do. Yeah, yeah, right. And um, I want to see if the, the Rams are one of the most zone-heavy teams in the NFL this year. Have been, yeah. Have been. I want to see if they change that. I, and I would imagine they would, right? Because yeah. Wade Phillips, at heart, likes to play man coverage. Right. Um, now you've got a guy, like, a lot of teams don't go with that if they don't believe they have the horses to do it. Now you've got at least one of them. Of course, the other, the other Troy Hill, but that's, you know. So, uh, nothing wrong with Troy. Troy can handle himself. David Long can play, man. You know, one of the things I mentioned in my monologue the other day that was driving <laughs> me nuts. Uh-huh. A lot of people are are talking about Jalen Ramsey not helping the Rams win the division. So let's just discuss this trade quickly. This is by a lot of people, we mean like just people are tweeting about Mike it. Flario. Well, his comment was ridiculously stupid. It, it was insane. Jalen Ramsey can't play running back. I He's genuinely help thought that was like a troll job. And then, it was oh like, no, he was like jumping in our mentions back. Right, that's what up. I mean. Then he like doubled down on. I was like, oh wow, that's actually serious. We will have a more Ooh. official response to Mike Florio's ridiculous tweet on our YouTube channel later in the week. So, but there are people, um, Joe Goodberry, who we follow, and uh, Evan Silva, and some other people are talking about. Let's just put aside the fact that they gave up two first round picks here, and that's 
risky in general. Yeah, Put that aside is, for a minute. I mean, this is the Larry Tunsil thing, right? The so concepts that Jalen Ramsey on the Rams, well, he doesn't help you beat the 49ers because they don't have a number one wide receiver, and the Seahawks don't have a number one wide receiver, and the Cardinals don't, so he's not helping you win the division. Mm-hmm. That is a ludicrous take, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially since the two teams that most are referenced there, the 49ers and the Seahawks, they've already played once each. Right. Right? Yes. So they have one game, like, I'm all for, like, when um, teams would draft, like, when the Jets drafted Jamal Adams, and they're like, oh, you know, he's going to be a Gronk guy, you know, he's going to cover Gronk. But you don't draft a guy just to cover Gronk, and you don't draft a guy just to win six division games. Because you got to play 16 total games. And the idea that a number one corner doesn't help you win football games, even ones that don't have a number one receiver in on your divisional rival t- team, it's just, to me, it's just absurd. It's just an absurd take. Yeah. Um, you agree with me? I do. Thanks. So they, uh, they've played six games, meaning they have 10 remaining. They've played two division games, meaning they have four remaining. And everybody's referencing they have to chase the 49ers, they have to chase the Seahawks. So now they're saying, well, Ramsey's not going to help you win those two games, therefore he's useless. Right. But so of your remaining 10 games, four of them are in the division, yeah. meaning 60% of your remaining games are not in the division. Where you having have to win. A, where having a number one corner will be quite important. And other than like the 2010 NFC West, you usually have to win more than six games to make the playoffs. This is so there we get to the next problem, which is even if that you know you accept the divisional premise, right? If you actually want to win a championship, which as a Super Bowl team a year ago, they clearly do, yeah. you're gonna need to beat teams beyond those in your division in the playoffs. And that's correct. So, yeah, that, that's fundamentally ridiculous. And now all of that said, what if Jalen Ramsey also does match up against George Kittle? Well, also, it's not like even if you accept all of that, right? It's not like he makes you worse against those teams. No, of course Maybe not. he doesn't have a massive positive impact the same way he does against a team that has a Julio Jones or whatever. But he doesn't like you're better. You're not worse because... The minimum is it's a minor upgrade against those teams, at which point you're still better. So it did help. Yeah. Because the draft picks, like, they don't, like, they're not making you better against the 49ers this year. And like I said, all that said, what if Ramsey does match up against George Kittle or DK Metcalf? Which he's done in the past with Gronk. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, I just don't agree with that take. No, it's insane. Bigger issue for the Rams offensive line. They got to figure it out. I think that's going to be the thing to keep an eye on here. Still terrible. Got to get the passing game. Back on track, the Falcons' defense might help. I mean, it certainly can't hurt because they're not not good. Hashtag not good. It's also the Falcons uh, playing the old cover one, cover three that the Rams can actually throw the ball pretty well against or yeah. play in general against. So um, all of that said, I think we're both taking the Rams, and we are. Yes. All right, Arizona Cardinals at the New York Giants. A little NFC East battle here, Sam. Hmm. Old school NFC East. Yeah. Old school, man. There are so many people that listen to this that just aren't even close to old enough to know that. They don't. How about the days that the Phoenix Cardinals were in the East? Phoenix Cardinals. The East. That's such a better name. I know they were. Phoenix was way better. They were in the... Phoenix is just a cool sounding word. They were in the NFC East. Um, Kyler Murray, the last two weeks, we keep talking about, you know, adjusting for opponents. Played the Bengals and played those Falcons we just talked about. Now he gets to play the Giants. I, I want to be encouraged by Kyler Murray's turnaround. Mm-hmm. And, and the easy narrative is, oh, you got a rookie. He started slow. Now he's better. Right. 
or he just ran into the two worst defenses. Yeah. And now I've three of the worst defenses. A lot of analysis defenses. is like, oh, this offense is coming good. It's like, look at who they just played. Yeah. So if I they just, hadn't uptaked, you'd have real problems. I wish they had a, a different challenge this week mm-hmm. um, just so we could kind of judge where that development is. But very impressed with where Kyler Murray's been. Um, I don't keep, I haven't kept track on Daniel Jones' buzz, but is there in this world where like everybody over exaggerates on like a throw? Yeah. Are we in a world right now because Kyler Murray started out slow in both the preseason and the regular season yeah. that he's flying under the radar and Daniel Jones, because he completed 80% in the preseason and had a pretty good first start, mm-hmm. that people think that Daniel Jones is, is great and Kyler Murray is like, ah, he's just trudging his way through. Is that, what, is that like the perception around the NFL right now? Possibly. I honestly don't. I don't think that it's possible to have a rational conversation about Daniel Jones in general NFL sphere. I think it's completely irrational. It's top to bottom. Like everyone that wanted to see, everyone that wanted to see one thing, made their mind up after week one, or week one of his starting, um, if not before that in the preseason. Like, and you can't talk them off that. Like it's already done. It's like I told you so. We're, like he's he's great. Well, even, how many? How many the Giants got into that? I know. How many passes straight to defenders does he need to throw before that's no longer true? I'm I'm just asking, right? How many would he need to throw right to a defender before you came off that, like, set in your ways, 100% convinced that he's a superstar opinion? Because he's shrunk quite a lot since that point, like seven and three games, not counting the fumbles, which are a big part of his problems as well. Yeah, that was the first issue. You're right. So even aside from those, he's literally thrown the ball to defenders seven times in three games, which is pretty terrible. He's been one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL by our numbers as well. Also that, which again is a complete reversal of what happened after one week of him starting, which is why you probably shouldn't use one week to declare somebody anything. Uh, I was, but all those things considered, I think this is a fascinating game because it is Kyler Murray versus Daniel Jones. I don't want to say on equal footing because, you know, Murray gets the Giants defense and, Daniel Jones gets the Cardinals defense, but at least you get to see them back to back, right? Going against each other. Yeah, that should be reason enough to watch. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was nervous for a little bit. I thought at old takes exposed. Oh, yeah. Might have some fodder for me. For Uh, Daniel Jones. For Daniel. I can't hear Jones, by the way, without not even hearing it in Neil's voice, but hearing it in Eric's version of Neil's voice. So Eric around the office Take, like uh, uses Neil's voices like a, as comedy fodder, uses a, a, yeah. an impersonation constantly, right? So now I can't hear Jones without hearing it <laughs> in that, that tone. Well, I'll say it right. It's Daniel Jones. Thank you. Um, I did tweet, I think, before the draft, something like the Giants would not upgrade their quarterback situation by drafting Daniel Jones, basically saying, hey, Eli, Eli's better than him right now. Okay. Eli's a bottom third quarterback, Daniel Jones. I don't know if he's better than him right now. Maybe he develops into it, but I'm surprised you haven't been all takes exposed just because they're they're all about the one game immediate giggle. Oh, they are. They so. still have me on the on the watch list for because I said Tom Brady and I said Sam Donald will take over as the top quarterback in the AFC East in 2028 or something like that. So he put a <laughs> reminder in his calendar for 2028. Fun guy, that all takes exposed guy. Anyway, Eli Manning this year, 63 grade. Daniel Jones, 59.5. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, we'll see. And, what you know, it's, it's fair early. To say that Eli didn't get have to play the Patriots. I would take so Jones out. I mean, I would take the Jones game out. Of, when you take Jones game out against the Patriots, yeah, he's about the same sixty three, sure, which is fair. And in Eli, the last couple of years, sixty four, sixty eight, sixty four, sixty seven. So yeah, maybe they're in the same range. Mm-hmm. Um, 
don't always expect linear improvement from your rookie quarterback. Don't. Stuff. Okay. Don't. Okay. The quarterback, I, I want you to be encouraged, Giants fans. Yeah. But it doesn't always go like this. He's already, you don't get like plus two this year and then plus three and then plus six like it's Madden. He's already shown a lot, but he's also shown a lot of bad things. I, he's I, shown I a said, lot of the stuff that we expected. I said was, last week that you know, we, we st- nobody still has any earthly idea what Daniel Jones is right now. Yeah. He's shown a ton of really good stuff. He's shown a ton of really bad stuff. And he's probably you know, see more. somewhere in the middle. We need to find out what that is. We are, what, how many games into Baker Mayfield's career? And I don't think we know what he is yet either. I, I also tried to take, so just to touch on Baker real quick. Maybe we'll wait. Are we going to get there? No, they in a they're, in a, they're in a buy. Let me touch on Baker really quick. Okay. For all of the data that said we loved Baker Mayfield and that he was our clear number one coming out, I made a statement multiple times to you where I said, if you just take that draft class of first round picks and you give them 10 years of starts, I'd expect Baker to be... It doesn't mean that he would be the top quarterback 10 out of 10 years. Yes. I said maybe maybe it's 8 out of 10 years. We feel so strong about him that 8 out of 10 years he's the best quarterback. Here's the thing. You you can't convince people to hold fire for a game. You have no earthly chance of making them, like, reserve their opinion for a season. No, I know. So even, like, let's say... Let's say... Baker, if for his entire career is like perennial pro bowler and this year is crap, like you would have absolutely zero chance of getting people to delay their writing off of him for this year. I'm just trying to bring some logic. Even if like even equation. if it happened in the middle of his career, right? And it was like four seasons of Pro Bowl quality play, terrible, four more seasons of Pro Bowl quality play. For that one season, you would have zero chance of convincing people that maybe we shouldn't write him off at this point. It's like point. a Kurt Warner year or a career. Right. Imagine what people were saying about Kurt Warner on podcast in 2004 when we he couldn't know. even take a he snap. He was done. He was done. He yeah. was washed up. It was a nice story while it lasted, but now he's over. <sighs> My point was, if you give 10, 10 years, let's say Baker's the top quarterback in seven or eight of them. I think Sam Darnold easily could have the top year among those guys one year. I think Josh Allen could even have the top year out of those guys in any given one 16-game season. Lamar Jackson could, but over the course of time, Baker, Darnold, and whatever else our list was. Yeah. We, had, ba- we had Rosen, Lamar, Josh Allen. The That's Baker thing like. is just fascinating to me because right now he's not in a good spot. He's fighting too hard, I think, to fix it, and things are heading in the wrong direction. And I'm curious to see if he can pull out of that tailspin or if the Browns can do enough to pull him out of that tailspin by fixing some of the things around him. You see, by the way, that Ryan Leaf was back again saying how Baker reminds him of himself. Yeah. Every... Every bad thing or cautionary tale in the NFL right now appears to remind Ryan Leaf of himself. Um, I like Ryan Leaf. I like his redemption story. I think in general analysis that simply relates everything to you is where a lot of analysts are just. But this off is also a back what I ranted about last week in terms of the human brain being hardwired to see patterns that aren't there. Oh yeah, he is now he is hardwired to see every possible negative as how it related to me. This is what I did. This is how I spiraled out of control. Therefore, that's what's happening to Baker right now. Yeah, I've, so I've seen that in coaches a lot, where coaches, you know, or whether they're pitching coaches or football coaches, whatever, they, they simply relate to their own experiences. Yeah. And I think that um, you miss some things when you do that. Yes. I'm just trying to be nice here, man. Who are we taking in this one? Uh, I'm taking the Giants. You are? Yes. I'm taking, I'm taking Arizona. Well, you got fooled by the two games against horrible, horrible opposition. I will not be fooled. Oakland Raiders at the Green Bay Packers. Speaking of being fooled, 
How dare you? How good are the Oakland Raiders? Oh, okay. I thought you were going somewhere else with that. What were we fooled by? Well, Green Bay's win on Monday night. I thought you were uh, pointing to my note and being going to talk about that being fooled. Oh, no, I think you're right. Alan Lazard did vault himself up the depth chart. So that's the thing, right? It's it's, they haven't been able to. Devontae Adams is their one this is viable Green, Green Bay wide receiver, Alan Lazard. By yes. the way. Nobody knows who he is. Right. In case anyone thought he played for one of the other teams already played for and has no idea who he is. Um, Green Bay has Devontae Adams and he's great. And outside of that, they've had nobody. Right. And they've been completely unable to get anybody to step up. Now, like on Monday night, it was a complete disaster because not only is Devontae Adams not there, but everybody else got hurt as well. It's like we literally have no receivers left. And apparently it was Aaron Rodgers that made the call. Hey, get Alan Lazard on the field. I think he can help us win this game. Dude goes off and starts catching everything. And he's the guy making plays left, right, and center. Um, I mean, did he just vault himself up like five spots on that depth chart? Like, obviously, he's not going to be Devontae Adams' spot, but he could be the number two already after a week. Isn't it funny because uh, QBs like Rodgers and Brady, there's a lot of talk about them when they trust guys versus not trusting guys. Like, you don't hear those stories with, like, James Winston, Marcus Mariota. Like, you hear about right. these top guys trusting somebody. And if they don't trust them, they're out. If they do, they like them. Rodgers clearly last year didn't trust anybody but Devontae Adams. That was mm-hmm. the same thing happened earlier this year. Just the fact that he trusts Lazard to throw the ball to him is right. huge. And, by the way, that was kind of old-school Aaron Rodgers on Monday night. He was dropped. He had five big-time throws, two of which should have been touchdowns. I mean, he was dropping dimes in there left and right. So... Um, again, I don't know if that's a, a massive trend, but please, stat line wise, it wasn't spectacular. But no, Rogers, looked but that really was one good. of the best grades of his season, probably the best. Grade, it was the right? I think easily it was the best grade, yeah. in fact. So he was, um, and he was doing it with you know special throws up the seam. Aaron Aaron Jones dropped a touchdown out of the pocket to Jimmy Graham. That should have been a touchdown. Uh, a couple other really nice you know touch passes and all that stuff. And that that touchdown that he did have, which by the way, he was down at the half yard line the touchdown he did have was in a perfect spot i mean there was tight coverage and it was just boom right on his hands he's only had one grade as good as that since the 2016 season that's what i mean that was thank you for the research there you're welcome that was really really good you could find that out as well if you had premium stats 2.0 open on your laptop and it was functioning because your laptop doesn't work i got a lot of spinning here why is everything spinning i I think i think i don't know but i think it's because your laptop is a hunk of crap did you guys uh, pull together some resources to get me a laptop yet? No. I thought that was going to be happening at the office. Are we supposed to be doing that? I mean, I'm not going not gonna to say no if you guys want to do it. Just get like a Black Friday deal for me. We're, I mean, That's where I got be, this two years ago. I swear, honestly, one day it's going to be so frustrating to me personally that I'm just going to buy you a laptop. I'm trying to get you there. Are you, at, I know. Look I at us tell. spinning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else are you looking for in this game? That's all I'm looking for. Did did Alan Zard become their number two receiver immediately, like right off the bat, just because he's the only guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts? You? I want to see if the Raiders are for real, man. Okay. It I'm, feels like they're not. You don't think so? No. So they're coming off, you know, they've beaten the Bears with Chase Daniel. Yeah. Denver with Flacco. Yeah. And who else? I'm sorry. Uh, Offhand. Uh, who else did they win? Um, I just saw this is so bad. much bad against the Vikings that I can't possibly trust the Oakland Raiders this season. Yeah, I mean, they're a little hit or miss. So they were, you know, they're feisty. They're the same thing I said they were earlier. I think the Raiders this year are what they thought they were going to be last year, which is like an eight. Remember, what did I say? I said over the six yeah. wins last year. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were an eight and eight feisty team. Indy is who they beat. Oh, that's right. They had a nice, That was a nice game in Indy. Um, I still think... 
with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, Indy is just tough to rely upon. Sure. Week to week. Yeah. Which is why you have the high, you know, to get the win against Kansas City, you get the loss against the Raiders. So I'm just not impressed with the Raiders yet. They're also one of our lowest graded teams Can overall. We have like a legit bug infestation in this place. Is there like a fly buzzing around us now. Is there stink bugs one day, like a fly the next day? Can we get like what'd some... you do with the stink bug? Did that surface anywhere? Yeah, flicked it over there. I don't know where it went after. When that. you kill them, they keep they like duplicate. That's how they what? Yeah. So they put off a smell that brings a oh, bunch of. Well, that's not duplicating. That's like drawing others well, whatever i mean just like you made it sound like they went zombie and started no, I'm multiplying not, i'm not talking physically i'm just right. talking that's how they they're they be, they become attracted to our podcast right yeah there. that's a whole different that's a whole different thing than the way you described it all you need to know is that had you killed it more would show up well it's not it's not where i flicked it to anymore so i don't think i did either that or somebody cleaned up in here which judging by the rest of the room is unlikely all right, well, we'll have to do something about that. Yeah, we need like... I'm taking Green Bay sort of in this one. This is going to be a six-hour podcast. Yeah. We, we literally get... We're all taking Green Bay. Next. Jacksonville Jaguars coming to town against our Cincinnati Bengals. Is it still the Cincinnati Bengals, or are they trotting out like a local high school team? Because there's nobody left healthy on this roster. It's not good. I mean, most recently, Cordy Glenn's getting into altercations, asking to get cut. I mean, he's the only guy that has any semblance of blocking ability on that team. Yeah. He's been battling I mean, somebody, a concussion. Somebody tweeted last week that was like, um, if I'd asked you you know, three months ago who the number four left tackle on this team was, what would you have said? And I would have replied, not on the roster. Yeah. Because nobody has a number four left tackle on the roster. Like at that point, you are deep into the waiver wire and whatever. Just Somebody to, from the AAF. Right, trying to stack any old body out there. And that's their entire offensive line right now. Plus, they still don't have any wide receivers with one caveat that I'll get to in a minute. And all their cornerbacks are now hurt. It's like, the, like the, what? Minshew bounce back game. It has to be, right? Because there's just like, there's nothing left on this team Drake Kirkpatrick. to make a functional roster. Kirkpatrick and William Jackson both banged up. If you're a Bengals fan, what what do you what's what do you what's motivate what's motivating our friend Mike Quinn out here for the rest of the season? You to me it's always like you gotta watch the young guys and find guys draft spot. Friend. Almost nothing. Like, you wanna the, lose every game? Yeah. They right now, through tiebreakers, I think they hold the number one overall pick. I made Miami actively tanking, but the Bengals are there right now. Well, yeah, because losing by 40 only counts as one loss, Keep as we always going. say. Keep it rolling. If there was a point before the season, I said, if you're the Bengals and you're sitting there at one and eight, I think I made up a fake record that they're creeping toward. If you're one and eight, right. Do you start Ryan Finley and just see what see what you got? I mean, maybe. Yeah. They, are, so the Bengals, are we closing in on Ryan Finley territory? Yeah, the Bengals, unlike most teams, actually have a quarterback, a mid-tier quarterback on a contract that's kind of one of those pay-as-you-go deals, right? It's as long as he's worth starting. Yeah, we pay him starter money, but the second he isn't, we drop kick him out of the building, and it doesn't cost us that much. I, yeah, I think they're absolutely in a position where they should see what Finley can do because I mean, it was only preseason and stuff, but he kind of looked okay. He showed some good stuff, and it's again, it's like if you stumble into. Jury's still out on Minshew. We don't want to completely overreact sure. on everything. But if you stumble into a guy that has any kind of promise as a mid-round quarterback, that's extremely valuable. Dalton has a 59.7 grade. That's the lowest of his career. He hasn't been below 66 since 2012, his and first two years in the league. Yeah, so. That's far from all his fault because we've talked before about how he is. The situation's bad. He's, he is yeah. as dependent on the situation around him as any quarterback in the league. Yep. And the situation around him now is abysmal. So, of course, 
he's going to grade worse. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but so it's absolutely viable to start looking beyond him. Um, the other guy that was that's interesting now is Auden Tate, who has quietly sort of emerged as one guy that's now got an opportunity because there's nobody healthy playing wide receiver for them. Last week, he caught five passes for 91 yards. I think all five of them were pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Like there were five big catch radius pretty crazy catches. But now, I'm still far from soul on the fact that he's, you know, great or anything, but he's a guy that's interesting to see what he does with that expanded role until people get healthy. Just to defend Dalton for a minute, a lot of times, even if we say defense is very dependent on the offenses that you play, there is a still there's still a difference between the best and worst defenses in the NFL in a given season, right? He's had some poor games against San Francisco, who shut down everybody. Right. Buffalo, who's pretty much shut down everybody. Yep. Pittsburgh, who's been pretty good defensively since week one against the Patriots. And then Baltimore. Yes, they've been hit or miss, but they still have talent in the secondary. So he, of his his four worst games are against teams where you're like, all right, they're all reasonable defensive teams, even if Baltimore is inconsistent this year. So okay. it's my defensive Andy, plus all the, uh, you know, situation around him. Nicely done. And then we'll see if Minshew can bounce back coming off his worst game. Uh, still has those hold the ball too long fumbles. Can't have it. So I'm taking Jacksonville. I'm taking the bounce back from Same. Godna. Just because I don't, the Bengals have nobody left. All right. Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. We had a Miami fan say, say something nice about us. Uh, I will. I'll start. Okay, good. I like that. They have a lot of draft picks over the next couple of years. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. Cincinnati's the worst team, according to tiebreakers. Yeah, so. yeah, that's not good, though. That means they're not getting the number one overall pick right now. Um, Fitzmagic is back. I'm happy with that. I mean, not necessarily because they're going to win games or anything, but I'm happy seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick playing football because it's fun. It's not, oh, always, sell, it's not good. We can sell shirts again. We can. It's not always good, but it's fun. Oh, it is fun. Um, so Fitzmagic sure. being back is is great giggles. Um, this game, by the way, is kind of crazy when you look at like the the Vegas line on it. Um, let me find a couple out exactly touchdowns. What the number is? The uh, seventeen. The bills. the bills by seventeen. Right. The Bills. The Bills by seventeen. Their offense is barely averaging more than seventeen points a game. Oh yeah, their defense has just been suffocating against an offense that can't move the ball. Yeah, like so. The Bills are seventeen point favorites, and the over under is forty one. So for perspective, the Patriots' defense scored fourteen. Against the Dolphins. The Dolphins scored zero. Uh-huh. It was 14 nothing Patriots defense to Dolphins offense. So I think Vegas is essentially banking on something similar. Yeah. Which is, I mean, they might not be wrong. Yeah. I'm going to turn green line says they are, but they might not be. Um, green line, we're taking, the, we're taking Miami? Uh, no, not taking Miami. But oh, okay. The, but the to cover, is, to cover, the I mean. line is significantly lower. It's 13.4 going to green line. Miami has a 50.2 overall team grade. Cincinnati's second worst at 60. God. And then a lot of teams are lumped in the 60s and 70s. 50 is awful. Yeah, 50 is rough. Um, Oh, I'll say something nice. Do it. 69.3 run defense grade for Miami. 17th best in the NFL. (sighs) Wow. That's the the best thing they do. We are stretching it. That's what they do. We are stretching it pretty thin. Oh, wait. There's a 67.9. Oh, see? They're good at all the stuff that matters a lot. (laughs) <laughs> 67.9 rushing grade and that's just the runners not the block not the run blocking which is the worst that's 19th in the nfl hmm. so there we go okay i still like Kenyon drake does that count he's on the trading block i know yeah, yeah. i'm kind of desperately hoping they get rid of him so that he can actually succeed somewhere 
Uh, Josh Allen, uh, should this should be a nice game for him to spread the ball around and, and complete more passes. Yeah. This would be uh so the fact that the Bills again are sitting there at four and one and they have two Dolphins games remaining on the schedule. Great position. Um plus they have Washington, like they've got yeah. a lot of winnable games. The Buffalo Bills, and I love their defense, but even for a team with as many question marks on offense, they're an eleven or twelve win team right now. Just so, schedule wise yeah. in the NFL like, unless they unless they screw something up along the way. If if they were able to shock the Patriots with a win late in the season. It's not crazy to say that they could jump them for the division. I think that's a little crazy. I don't think it's crazy. It's not exactly a sure thing or anything. Well, I will say New England's schedule is equally tight. Cakewalk. Well, no, it tightens up. It's been cakewalk. But they still have to play Baltimore, Dallas, Philadelphia, yeah, Kansas City, Houston. All those teams now suck, except the last two. They're all going to be tough games. They're all, they're all going to be more reasonable games. They're, they're all they're all lot more difficult than the Miami. Sure. And, Washington games and Giants games that they've been playing. Um, I don't think the Bills are going to be up at the Patriots level, but I think the Bills are going to be looking at a wild card and they're going to be in that same Jacksonville, Chicago, like 2017 Jags, 2018 Bills, uh, Bears, the same team building um, style, I guess. Defense heavy, questionable quarterback play. And, you know, we'll see how far they can take it. But that's where we are. Okay. We're all taking the bills, obviously. Yes. All right. Good. Naturally. San Francisco 49ers at the Washington Redskins. Mark Rippon and Joe Montana head to head. Here we go. What? We're going to do a full retro podcast. Every game. It's just going to be. Um, Next one. Chargers versus Oilers. uh, So Washington's new game plan. (laughs) This is just run the ball with Adrian Peterson. Like it's 2007 again. And the Niners actually are good at running the ball. So I think it's the first to 25 carries wins. Okay. Hmm. That's it. I'm curious because I think the Niners are also pretty good at stopping the run. Whether the whether Washington has an alternative plan, I, if they have to pass the ball, what happens? Um, that I'm cur- kind of curious to see. I'm also pretty fascinated by Tara McLaurin going up against Richard Sherman. Oh, yeah. That should be a fun matchup. McLaurin was slick again the other day. Deep Dude, corner routes. He's legit really good. If he didn't, he dropped a pass too. He had four catches for 100 yards and two scores, and he dropped one that probably would have been another 40 or 50. He's got an insane grade, and he's got four one of the now. worst drop. Not, yeah. not worst, worst, but one, a poor end drop rate NFL-wise. Like That's if right. he hadn't dropped all those passes, he'd be yeah, one of the best graded receivers in the NFL right now. Uh, Washington with a mid-tier. I'm trying to look at their run blocking grade really quick. They're right in the middle. Um, but early in the season, they were getting some of the worst production from their running backs, and that's why Bill Callahan's trying to turn that around. Number 17 run blocking grade for Washington. So they're going to try to grind it out? Yeah. I don't think they'll be able to, though, so I think they might actually have to pass the ball at some point, which is where it gets interesting. 49ers have the number two overall defense in the NFL. Is this another week where I think they it's a favorable matchup? They should be able to do some damage against Kurt, uh, Case Keenum. Ooh. Wow. Yes. You think? Agreed. Yeah. So uh, were you expecting the Niners to stay undefeated? Yeah. I think we all are. Yes. Even traveling to Washington. Yeah. Here we go. The underachieving bowl. The underachieving bowl. Los Angeles Chargers against Ryan Tannehill's Tennessee Titans. Right. So that part is worth watching in and of itself. It finally happened. They benched Mariota. Yep. Now let's see what Ryan Tannehill can do, to which the answer will probably be exactly the same. 
Um, the other quarterback I'm also interested. This week, apparently, I'm on a kick of everybody declining. So Philip Rivers is part of that. He's even older than Matt Ryan, you see. He's part of that 2004 draft class. If you just say that every quarterback over 35 is declining, at some point you'll be right in the next 10 years. Right. This is what I'm saying. Eventually, this has been I'll, your strategy for a while. Get there. Um, but, you know, he's part of that that uh, 04 class, and all of those guys are kind of on the downswing, right? Eli has been benched. Um, Big Ben hasn't been playing well for a while and now has to have elbow surgery, so he, who knows what he's going to be like when he gets back. But these guys are they're not 34, Steve. They are 37 or 38. That is legitimately old. That's our age. We're old. I don't know if it's you've noticed anything about the tenor of this podcast recently, but you and I are breaking down, and we don't do anything. Yeah. Well, we play basketball in the wild. Let me just relate everything to me. Since I can barely make it through a pickup basketball game at I'm my saying. age, I assume that Philip Rivers at my age with 22 kids is probably uh-huh. going to break down soon. This is what I'm saying. That's how you analyze You and things. I are old, and we can't make it through a couple of games at the Y every now and again without breaking things. That dude is older than us, at least me. Is he older than you too? Um, he's older than us. Yeah, and he's Rivers playing was born football. three months before me. He's thirty-seven point eight. I'm about thirty-seven point five. <laughs> I'm just saying he's legitimately old and should be at the point of breaking down. And suddenly he's not playing well, and has doesn't have a great situation around him. So is Philip Rivers declining? No. Are the, you it's, sure? It's just the usual fluctuation of quarterbacks. Whatever. He's he's three years removed. In 2016, he had a 70 grade. Uh-huh. In 2015, he had a 72 grade. That could have been the story then. Philip Rivers is declining, but he bounced back with an 80, and then last year an 88.9, his best season since 2013. So stop. Things just they're ebbs and flows, and that's where we are. <laughs> right, but there's also a period where every quarterback hits the wall, as I they guess. say. Well, Philip Rivers is like the best one because his struggles are just like the ugliest. Yeah, right. Like if. When Bree, like when when other quarterbacks throw picks, it's like, oh, you just that's a bad play. With Rivers, it's like, man, you really shot putted that one, and it looked terrible. It's like, yeah, he's been throwing like that since high school. But he's also in this rough spot where they've been so spectacularly unable to surround him with blocking help. So he's had to do so much more than some of these other guys to just play at the level he is. That if he reaches a point where he's not able to do that every single down, it's sudden, it looks so much worse immediately. No, I agree with because that. Because there's no help. Because he's getting, like, murdered. Because the offensive line is terrible. And they won't be able to run the ball because the offensive line is terrible. So suddenly it's like, wow, Philip Rivers is really playing like crap. Yeah. It's because the dude is, he's been the guy that's had to make that offense tick. And if he's not, if he takes a step back in that direction, it goes from looking, yeah, pretty good. Philip Rivers is firing to, oh, wow, this is terrible. Should we apply similar analysis to Rivers and the Chargers? We had higher expectations. The fact that they're sitting here at two and four. You think they're going to bounce back? They still have a, a decent... They should have decent talent on the back end to cover. They can get after the quarterback a little bit, though the very disappointing pass rush from the interior this year. They have not improved in that area. Um, or they just... Have they been completely fool's gold? One of their wins is against the Dolphins, and they're well, just... that's the thing. Rivers has They're just one, not good. Rivers has one good grade this year, and it was against Miami. Everybody's got that. Well, yeah. Everybody's got the good game against Miami, but also that means all of his other games are not great. Yeah. So on the other side, mm-hmm. the Mario to Tannehill thing, I think we've said for a while, their strengths are similar, their weaknesses are similar. If you look at Mariota this year, he's been very accurate at the intermediate level. Everything else has been pretty bad yeah. overall. And the one thing, everybody, you know, everybody, all Titans fans are like, man, this offensive line's terrible. 
Do you know where they are in our pass blocking grades? Somewhere in the higher end of the league. 16th. Okay. So I would have gone dead smack in the middle. Higher half. And and here's the here's the thing about offensive line grades because we're grading every single player. So there are certain plays where four out of five of them grade well. They do a nice job. Right. But one but like, guy one guy screws it up. Yeah. And that was Nate Davis last week. Really struggling. Really bad. Now, here's the stat though. We've used this before. Percentage of pressure dropbacks that become sacks. Yes. So when pressure gets there, do they convert it to a sack or not? The best quarterbacks in the league, this happens like ten percent of the time, mm-hmm. year over year. And it's actually a pretty consistent number. NFL, the highest percentage is last year. Marcus Mariota, 29.8%. Ryan Tannehill, 29.2%. They were the two highest percentages of pressure dropbacks turning into sacks. So again, that doesn't change whether or not he throws it away or takes the sack. It doesn't change the offensive line's block. It's on the quarterback or the scheme or whatever else at that point. So Mariota and Tannehill were worse last year. This year, Mariota's worse... He's the worst in the NFL at 35.2%, only because I'm not going to count Luke Falk, who's sitting there at 37.2%, who's ahead of him. Hmm. So he's really number two behind Luke Falk. But man, Luke struggled. Uh, So Mariota has been even worse in that department this year. So if you're a Titans fan, it feels like that he's Mariota's getting pressured a ton. He faced the 17th highest percentage of pressure in the NFL this year. So so dead smack in the middle there. Titans O-line dead smack in the middle. Mariota taking far more sacks than he should. Now Tannehill's pretty much the same guy. He, you give him some nice open intermediate throws, he can make them. He's going to hold the ball a little bit too long in the pocket. Doesn't have a great deep ball. Um, the one thing I'll say about Tannehill, he might have a little bit more outside of structure ability than Mariota. Not great, but he might have a little bit more there. All that said, you've been pushing for this move just to let's just change it up and see what you can do, right? Yeah, I don't even I don't even care if it works. At some point, you just need to make the point that the way you're playing is not is not okay. We need to stop this and make a change because you're playing so badly that I have to do something. Yeah, like it would harm your credibility to just keep the blinkers on and say, "No, we're going to power through this the way this guy is playing." Like you just have to say, "Look, enough is enough. We've we gave you enough rope." We gave you more than enough, and you still kept digging. So we're we're gonna make a change. Um, I I honestly don't know that it will make any difference whatsoever. I mean, even last week they made the swap. Tannehill comes in, leads them to precisely zero points. So you know. Why not? So last week I I think I spent the whole time explaining why Tennessee was gonna win, and then took Denver. <laughs> I'm taking the Chargers, so now I need to explain why Tennessee's gonna lose. What do I What do I do here? I I don't know. Tennessee's definitely going to win this game because they don't they don't lose two in a row. They have just lost two in a row. They're not going to lose three in a row, right? Somebody's streak has to has to end. Somebody's. Um, I'm taking Tennessee if that helps. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers. I'm taking Tennessee just to justify the change in quarterback. There was a point, at, you know, the Jameis versus Mariota debate, and this is the fickle nature of quarterback play. Nobody looks upon Ryan Tannehill's career as great. No, but he was he was a solid. Starting for a while, he was reasonable. Yeah, like 13, 14, 15, like he had a stretch of play that was pretty good. Um, I'm, I'll never forget. There was a week in 2014 where Tannehill was awesome against the Broncos. Like he came out. I mean, it was one of the best grades we gave all week. And I'm like, this is right in the middle of Mariota versus Winston debate. And I'm thinking, man, this Tannehill game in the NFL was way better than anything I've seen from Mariota or Winston in college so far this year. I think I remember tweeting it out and people were like, oh, you idiot, you can't compare. But it was just, <laughs> I just remember it stood out to me 
this concept of like when you're ranking quarterbacks and all that stuff in any given week, you got Ryan Tannehill. Like, I don't know that Tannehill is necessarily better than either of those two or vice versa, but the two hottest names for at quarterback that particular year didn't have a game as good as Tannehill had in the NFL in his third year, you know, in 2014. Just okay. stood out to me. And now there it's all coming full circle. Yeah. I mean, he's also capable of having those good games. He is. So absolutely. I'm, I'm, I think it's the right move to make the change. Let's see what comes of it. All right. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Seattle Seahawks. Earl Thomas. Revenge Bowl. Here we go. So that's that's one interesting thing to watch. Um, the other thing is I'm going to be fascinated basically every Seattle game. Can Russell Wilson keep up this crazy pace of not having the bad Russell Wilson game? Yep. Um, well, that's basically the... You you did what my voice been doing all week. Voice cracked a little. Yeah. You getting me sick? I, I, I haven't... I'm going to go hydrate. I'm going to go get water and leave you in monologue mode. You need to have those like, uh, you know, the hand sanitized things. You should have one of those here for the duration of this podcast. And you should be like lathering up. Or a mask. Constantly. Well, that too. Yeah. You need a mask. Those ones you see in airplanes, like people putting on the full dust mask thing. I need that. Yeah. You should have one of those with a a hole cut. No, you should have one. A hole cut in it so the mic can go in. No, you should have one. No, it's not not helping me. No, the sick person gets it, so you're not breathing on no, everybody. No, you see it in the airplane, like people that don't want to contract the germs get. Well, that's because you can't it. make everybody else on the airplane wear it. I mean, you could. I can make you wear it because you don't want to get everybody else sick you here. Don't need to make, you just need to make the sick people wear it. Anyway, I've, I haven't got you're one, the sick so person. you need one. All right. That's what I'm saying. So what are we talking about here? Uh, Russell Wilson, whether he's going to be good again. He's not turning the ball over. Right. It's legit. I'm just, you know, every every season we get those one or two Russell Wilson games where he drops a clanger. And everyone that hates him is like, that's why he's not a great quarterback. See, told yeah. you he sucked. Um, and for that week, you don't really have an answer because, yeah, you're right. That was terrible. I don't I don't have an excuse for that. But so far this year, we haven't had one of those. I want to see this Baltimore secondary with Marcus Peters back there. Marlon Humphrey, who's pretty good. Yeah. Earl Thomas. Yeah. And we mentioned it briefly on Monday, but Earl Thomas and Marcus Peters in particular in the same secondary. I mean, those are guys... They're capable of combining for like 16 interceptions in a given year just because of their their ball skills and everything. Yeah, it's also it's been a long time since Marcus Peters has actually played well, which I think gets swept under the rug a little bit because we remember all the crazy things he's capable of doing. But they basically just flipped him for a linebacker that nobody's heard of. I understand. Um, They're making room for Jalen though too. Sure, but even though even like even with that in mind, you don't flip a guy for nothing unless you think you know he's not worth anything. So sure they were making room, but that's not gonna you're not gonna slash the discount all the way to, you know, ten percent of his value because of that. League wide, the opinion on Marcus Peters has massively soured, justifiably so, because he hasn't played anywhere nearly near as well as he did earlier in his career. And even then, we were always sort of cautioning people that, you know what? Yes, he's got a ton of interceptions but he's not played as well as you think he has because in order to get those interceptions, he's also given up a ton. And we should probably not forget that. So, you know, his nine interception season, he gave up eight touchdowns, which led the league as well. Um, Back-to-back six interception seasons following that, he gave up three and then four touchdowns. Then the next season, three picks, six touchdowns given up. These are just the touchdown numbers he's given up. But he also always gave up a load of yardage as well. That has continued. So basically, you know, Peters is the bad things of his game have stayed there. He still gets beat a lot. And the good things kind of disappeared. He so now six, he's just though. not a great player. He did have a pick six. Sure. Which was, you know, I mean, yeah. 
Okay. I'm just saying. There is there was a good play in there, but I'm just saying it's been a long time since Marcus Peters has played the way we the okay. way everybody is kind of talking about him as being able to play in this secondary. Right. And so the- sure, maybe that comes back now that he's surrounded with a bunch of talented players in what should be an advantageous scheme. On the other hand, maybe he was always kind of a bit overrated. Yeah, this should be a good matchup here. You've got um you know, Seattle's done a nice job with deep ball, deep crossers. You got Earl patrol in the middle. How much does Earl know Russell Wilson? Can he bait him into his first interception? I mean, there's a lot right. You know, it's not just the picks, but I mean, there's a lot riding on that little cat and mouse game. It's in Seattle. Um, you got Lamar Jackson on the other side, two quarterbacks that are dynamic can make plays inside and outside the pocket. Can Lamar keep it up? Lamar should be able to throw the ball a little bit against the Seattle uh, coverage unit. I think it's, I think it's a little underrated that they, you know, it's gone under the radar that they're not great still yeah. on the defensive side of the ball because Wilson has made up for a lot there. Um, does that come back to bite Seattle at some point? Uh, number, you know, they're at middle of the pack from a coverage standpoint this year. Yeah. And still, what's their pass rush grade? Not great. 63. Not so great. I, I don't really trust. I don't trust Seattle on the ninth worst pass rush grade. I just don't trust them a, a ton. I don't really trust either of these teams, to be honest. Oh, it's a tie. So it's a tie. I don't think they're going to tie just because, you know, that doesn't tend to happen. But I'm rolling with Seattle. See, I think ultimately Baltimore is going to cover better as the season goes on. And Seattle's going to cover worse. Okay. And I think they're going to start going in opposite directions. Unless all about the regression this year. I guess so. I don't know. I'm just trying to study numbers. You're trying use to use the numbers the right way. I'm taking Seattle. You're trying to like one, but trying to take a statistics course during the course of the year. No, I'm upstairs. just I'm trying to use a logic based off what we know and that the historical, you know, sample size is is relevant still. Yeah, I'm just saying this is the same logic that got you into trouble with the Brandon Graham thing. Like you get so much pressure. I know that that regresses to the mean. Whatever. Brandon Graham's going to get 10 sacks this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are some times where it just doesn't happen, Steve. We're both taking Seattle. We're closing yeah. in on two hours, too. Sunday night football. It's be great. Sunday night football. Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it's tough to talk. Sometimes. At this yeah. point. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, it was like, wow, Dallas looks amazing. Uh, the Eagles are better than their record shows because they had a couple of wins basically disappear because guys dropping the football like we got two runaway quality teams in this division only now it looks like they might both they might both suck suck yeah they don't dallas have looked terrible the past couple weeks and the eagles just got waxed by the vikings yeah they'll be all right they both don't look good both teams will be all right like they went from championing uh, Kellen Moore is like the next greatest, the, the new Sean McVay, the genius we did too. behind. The, we yeah, did I know. Too. Um, to now Jason Garrett is on the hot seat because they're 0-3 or whatever in the last few weeks. The ebbs and flows of a mid-tier quarterback who's playing like a top five or six quarterback, Dak Prescott. He's still playing really well. Yeah, he is. Uh, everything else has gone wrong. I described both of these offenses in a similar manner on Monday morning where I said it felt like throw for throw, Dak and Wentz are doing some nice things, but there's it's just disjointed. It's just they're in third and longs, or there's a big drop, or it's, there's, there's not sustained offense for either of these two guys. We've also seen these guys on Sunday Night Football in the past both kind of like struggle through games against each other, and um, I don't know. I think it might be another... I think the defenses are going to tighten up a little bit this and week. It's weird how 
you know, games can kind of go, certain things happening in games can just completely change what happens. Like, um, Michael Gallup now has like a top uh, drop rate in the NFL. In fact, he has the highest drop rate. What did rate. he have Sunday? That's Three. what I'm saying. So he had the highest drop rate in the NFL, almost all of which happened on Sunday. Like it almost all happened in that same in that one game. And Amari a bunch Cooper of passes that were like they were a little higher than they should. It was one of those like yeah. you got to catch them, but right. they're not exactly. So Amari Cooper point. goes down. Suddenly Michael Gallup is the guy that you turn to, who's been really good this year. Like yeah. I don't know what the number is right now, but heading into that game, he had one of the highest yards per route run figures in the NFL. He was like dramatically outperforming um, a lot of receivers. Obviously, he'd missed some time. He was coming back and then just drops all over the place. Yeah. You can't, it's hard to legislate for that kind of weird thing to just randomly show up. Like your number one receiver at this point, because Cooper's down, suddenly can't catch anything. It, the Dallas defense, I'm wondering, are, are they are they falling into that description that we use for the Steelers where it's like, all right, if you against not so good teams, they can look pretty nice, get some speed, can cover a little bit, get after the quarterback. But when you face a good offense... They didn't have much of a shot against Aaron Rodgers last year. They're giving up last week. They're giving up a 92 yarder to Robbie Anderson. Sam Donald picked them apart a little, picked them apart. Are they falling? But they're also three weeks removed from holding the Saints to 12. Yeah, you know. But I mean, was that you know that's Teddy Bridgewater, not Drew Brees. So they've just been so up and down defensively. My biggest question mark for them, and the thing I think that's really flying under the radar is those linebackers are not playing well. Yeah, like Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch were both incredible a year ago. They were. Each of them were human highlight reels, making an insane amount of plays. They were by far the best, I think, linebacker duo in the NFL, period, and definitely the best you know, young linebacker duo in the NFL, not Detroit. Um, Don't. But this year, they haven't been nearly that good. Like They've been playing not, good, not well at all, and that's a huge part of that defense. You saw that the other day. I mean, they, I mentioned on the Monday podcast, Sam Darnold hitting a bunch of those deep crossers behind right. – the backers yes that was uh that's been an issue um so something to keep an eye on for the for the eagles potentially to exploit carson Wentz still our number two graded quarterback um you know had some he's got uh, the highest percentage of drop passes on positively graded throws on big time throws so again he should be he's one of those guys i think isn't gonna he should play worse he shouldn't be playing as well as he does but the numbers should still be looking a little bit better he's another one of those players he's a player like brandon graham i think that will somehow always buck the expected regression to the mean i think i don't know how but i think he will consistently for his career somehow be better at the at the weird um low percentage stuff well you do that with big time throws and he's had a pretty volatile big time time throws yeah yeah but the third, fourth down stuff, the you know the stuff yeah. that you shouldn't be able to sustain, he seems to be able to do that in a way that is abnormal. I think there's a skill set explanation for that, and I think when you, I think the holy grail of player eval, as difficult as it is, is when you can put PFF grades side by side with some really good scouting information. Um, so it was a name drop. We had a former coach, former coaches we were talking to in here. We're using the Cody Kessler example. It's not name dropping if you just say former coach. I know. It's, well, you just hate when I do this, so it's not name dropping at all. Right. I'm not going to not drop his name. No. But we were discussing a guy like Cody Kessler, and I, I use this example pretty much in a lot of um, discussions with NFL types. The fact that like the raw numbers said a, said a lot of good things about Kessler, but when you pair it with a below average NFL arm, kind of brings him down to earth. I think Carson Wentz, uh, Cam Newton, there are certain guys who have accuracy numbers that aren't great or other numbers that aren't great, but when you elevate it by the arm strength, 
they could do a little bit more, get away with a little bit more. I think Wentz is kind of that guy who can hit the 15 yard out or out route. He just hits and he can make passes while getting knocked down. And he makes, he can make some of those big time throws that because of his arm and velocity and carry that he has. And you know, those, those are tough to bank on and count on every week, but they're always available, right? Yeah. That's the way I'll describe it. Uh, okay. I mm, That makes sense. The high end, I think that makes sense. I disagree with the Cody Kessler thing. I honestly don't think arm strength is what pro- prohibited him from doing anything. I there were other was, things, but that's just like Kellen, Kessler's problem. Our guy Kellen Moore. I, he had everything that Kessler didn't have. Pocket presence. He right. had accuracy. So his, I mean, his problem may have been different, but Kessler's problem in particular, I don't think arm strength is his issue. I think his issue was having obliviousness in the pocket and a tendency to completely hold on to the ball five times longer than it needed to be. If he had, if Kessler had Minshew's ability to stand in there and deliver quick passes, I mean, even Minshew has the tendency to hold on to the ball does, too long, yeah. get fumbles. But consistently, if he had the ability to stand in there, let's say to be Andy Dalton, right? To get Minshew. in there, get rid of the ball quickly, get out of your hands, put it where it needs to go. I think Kessler would be fine. Problem is he would hold on to the ball and try and play a hero ball. And at that point, like you're not, you don't have the arm strength to get out of that. You don't have the speed to get out of that. And you don't have the durability to take those hits. So you're, you're knackered. I think, I think the, uh, the Min, I think Minshew's capable of reading things quick. He just tries to do too much when right. the first thing's not there. Kessler was just not capable of doing randomly those. slow to process. Yes. So that I think was his problem, not arm strength. Anyway, my main point was I think a guy that has really good vo- velocity can make up for other yeah, I think that's deficiencies fair. and create some big plays down the field. Last game, Monday Night Football. Did you pick anybody in this one? Uh, Dallas. Who did I take? Dallas. What? Yep. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going Dallas. Like I think about it. All right. Monday Night Football, New York Jets hosting the New England Patriots. Yes. It looked like a terrible matchup a few weeks ago, but Sam Donald's back and the Jets looked pretty good last week. They did. Um, it was that was an interesting game, uh, d- despite Tony Romo being unable to tell us why Dallas was struggling against that defense. So, my theme of the week: declining quarterbacks. Oh, jeez, Brady's been declining since 2014, as we all know. Is this finally the moment where Brady is declining? He's going up against a really fascinating defense to test that out. Brady hasn't been playing well this year, right? Let's leave the comedy declining thing aside for a bit. But he's not been playing well this season at all. He goes up against this defense, which is, it's very predictable in terms of some of the things they do. And it's very, it can be exposed in ugly ways, but it does fundamentally work to a large degree, which is why Greg Williams keeps getting 15 job offers every time he gets fired by snail mail or whatever it is, Um, which is why teams like Dallas go in there against the Jets and suddenly find it really hard to get any kind of offense going. Like, there are fundamental parts of this defense that do make life difficult on quarterbacks. But, obviously, we're talking about Tom Brady, the greatest ever, who understands how to beat defenses. Can they attack this defense in a way that Dallas wasn't able to? And, therefore, will Tom Brady look better? Yeah, I think a lot. So, Brady's our number five graded quarterback. His grade's below where he was at this point last year. He did have a few games last year that were just not great, similar to where he's been this year. I think he's not at the level where he was in 15 to 17, where it was the best, maybe the best stretch we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But last two years, if you look at the playmakers he's thrown to, it hasn't been great. And I think that's where New England is right now. You know, if if they were trotting out Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman, you'd be like, all right, they'll, they'll be able to pull him up a little bit. 
But then you have a point where Josh Gordon's banged up and he's and they had everyone else hurt. And it's the same um, personnel group in the entire second half against the Giants and all this. I just think there's stuff working against that passing attack in New England with a 42-year-old Brady who needs more help than he's needed in the past, right? So just like I've said, everyone else isn't declining. I don't know that it's necessarily a decline, but I could see the passing attack being less efficient due to injuries and, you know, being banged up and Brady not being able to elevate the guys as much. This is one of those weird games where it's like they played each other a couple of weeks ago. It is. And they're back. Um, Here are the vibes I'm getting from this game. Every year, and we'll say this in playoff time. This is kind of just, this is the game that was funny because remember it was like out of control, and then they put in Stidham, and the Stidham immediately throws yeah. a pick six. They had it's a like pick six and a muffed punt. Brady back out. Yeah, pick six and a muffed punt. Um, Josh Gordon was a big part of this game a few weeks ago, and he's banged up right now. So there's something to be said for that. It could be a little bit more of a struggle on the road. No Luke Falk, of course. No Luke Falk in this one. It could be more of a struggle for the Patriots passing attack, but this game does feel like after wild card weekend every year all the best teams in the nfl are on a bye and the wild card teams they play each other and there's always like a darling coming out of the wild card weekend oh look at the colts really nice road win against the texans last year whoever it is right right and then they go into new england or they go into the number two seed or the one seed or whatever it is and they've got all this momentum Mm -hmm. this hype and then they just run into a better team and the better team wins and it's like oh okay that's what happened that's what i feel like the jets it went from all of a sudden, oh, look at these Jets. Darnold's back. Nice win last week. And then they, they're going to play New England. And I think New England's just a better team. And it's going to be a really challenging test for Darnold. You know, completing passes against that secondary. Darnold last year, even though he was our highest graded guy over the last few weeks of the season, didn't play that well against New England in the last, I think it was the last game of the year. So I just, I just think it's, you know, don't get too caught up in the Jets' nice win last week i don't think i don't expect them to beat new england no that's just where i am i mean i think ultimately this comes down to tom brady does understand how to beat this defense dallas didn't yeah and well so if you're i think the patriots do need to be the the defense can't give up seven points a game all year sure right and and there's going to be some especially as the the schedule tightens up the offense is going to have to go out and win games a little bit more the offense is put into some very favorable situations this year and they're just not at nearly as efficient of an offense as they've been in the past. And that includes the run game because they like to run the ball. They like to run the ball against favorable fronts and they haven't been great in that regard. So I do think new England has to figure it out offensively pass game. The run game's got to be a little bit more efficient. So that's something to keep an eye on. New England fans like to complain about stuff. Yeah. So the offense is what they're complaining about right now. Okay. Yeah. It feels like a little rich to be bitching. If you're a Patriots fan, no, that's what they do back in the day. It was like the punter. Ah, oh, the punters just, you know, Chris Hansen's just not giving us field position. That's what they yeah. used to complain just, about. You know, there are teams out there where you can like, yeah, you let rip. You have had a, like Browns fans, right? Fair enough. Yeah. You have had a pretty crappy run of it. By all means, bitch away. Vikings fans, you know, sure you win, but never when it matters. Bitch away. You know, you've, you've earned it. Patriots fans, like, you're, like you win a Super Bowl every other year. What are you bitching about? At least you started following them like a week ago. Stop complaining. That's all. All right. We're all taking New England in yeah. this one. Monday Night Football. I think it'll be a decent game, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. There we go. Week seven. It's going to be a good one. We'll be back on Monday. Mm-hmm. Recapping the whole deal. Um, we've got some good shirts over at the PFF store. Pass the damn ball. 
creep back toward average. Be sure to check out all of that. And then, of course, PFF Elite. Everybody needs it. Premium Stats 2.0 as all the grades come in throughout the day Monday. We got a, uh, we got a request for a winter line of clothing. We got a whole bunch of t-shirts. And oh, stuff it's getting there. colder. You're right. Yeah, it's like sweater weather. It's getting clo- yeah. colder. Somebody wants a fall slash winter line. So Mike's going to be adding some stuff for like hoodies and all that kind of so stuff. So like the same concept. Yeah, both. I think so. Most of our big hitters turned into hoodies and whatever. Oh, I'm going to go put in a hoodie order or then. something. I don't know if the sleeves. We need XL sleeves. Look, I look. I the the store. I don't think can accommodate your frame. Propercloth.com. Propercloth can do it. Can accommodate your frame. The the PFF store is not built fully customizable with you know roomy pits and freaky long sleeves and stuff. Mm. Is the proper cloth uh, code still live? I believe so. Yeah. Twenty bucks. PFF twenty. Yeah. PFF twenty for twenty dollars off. Twenty dollars off proper cloth shirt. I can't proper stop. Cloth. By the way, like designing myself new shirts. Oh, is that what you do yeah. all the time now? Yeah, pretty much. I want to send me your designs. I'll sign off on them and let you know how. I they don't are. want you to. I'm going to have to get somebody who knows about these. Well, things. you're like one for two. I didn't like the cactus, and that was, you know, I thought the gray one was nice. I thought the cactus is okay. Shannon liked the cactus. She said she did. She may yeah. have been lying, but yeah, I think she's she lying. said she said she did. All right, week seven in the books. Well, at least the preview is. Yes, the the games have still yet to be played. Enjoy the games, but somebody's streak has got to end tonight. This is better when I just finish in a monologue. (laughs) See you Monday. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.